Welcome to Walking Backwards. I'm Brad Grimet. This week's guest is Steadicam operator Jeff Haley. Jeff has worked on some of my favorite movies ever, and so I was really excited to talk to him. He's also worked on some of the biggest movies ever. Uh, for example, the last two Avengers movies and something like five Fast and Furious movies. So he's doing um, the biggest stuff and also some really artsy movies that are great, like American Hustle. And Anyway, um, he's, just, he's just great. I'm a big fan. And he has one of the most interesting stories, probably the most interesting story of getting into the business of anyone I've ever heard. Um, and he tells the whole thing on here. This is a long episode. Part of that is because he tells the whole story of how he got in, and he's not stretching it. He's actually cutting it. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty fascinating. And um, anyway, he's a great guy. He's uh, he's so smart and such a great operator. So it was a pleasure to have him here. He also talked a lot about the Volt um, towards I think the end, and um, uh, the Volt, of course, made by Tiffin Steadicam, who is a sponsor of the show, who I really appreciate. Uh, but Jeff talked a lot about. He's been a Tiffin guy most of his career. Talked about the Master Series, the importance of having the um, the motorized top stage in um, in a couple of movies, uh, the fighter in particular. Um, just when you're rolling full mags all the time and being able to adjust and that type of thing. Um, and I found that really interesting. And you know, since Tiffin's a sponsor, it wasn't planned, but <laughs> thank you, Tiffin, and thank you, Jeff. And speaking of mentioning sponsors products on the podcast we also talked about the iBaird which seems to come up a lot <laughs> I guess it's one of my favorite things but um he was talking about the ProVest and how it's a little too high for him and this and that so I of course mentioned the iBaird and they are a sponsor Walter Clausen FX and I very much appreciate it thank you Walter Clausen FX okay so let's see Instagram one giant robot uh you can find me on Facebook I do have a Twitter that's Walking Backwards podcast. Um, I don't really utilize it very much, but maybe I would if a bunch of people started following me. So maybe check that out. Um, I got some messages about the thing I was talking about last week, um, the like a like a website that would tell you where the show you want to watch is on Netflix or Hulu or whatever. And apparently that exists already. So it was a good idea, but every good idea someone else has as well, and someone already. Someone already did it, so I can't cash in on that. But um, anyway, I forget what it's called, but it's out there somewhere if, you, if you're looking. I think on Apple, whatever. Okay, enough of me. Let's get to Jeff Haley. So we're recording, and I have Jeff Haley sitting in front of me. Hi, Brad. Which is, uh, hi, which is a hard thing to do. <laughs> Where'd you just tell me? You said you were in... Give me the quick rundown. Uh, well, let's see. We, we're, we're shooting Jumanji 2, the sequel to the to the one that we did a couple of years ago. And um, we just we spent the first nine weeks in Atlanta. And then the final four or five weeks are on location. So we started in Hawaii. And then we went to Alberta, um, which is uh, uh, was very, very cold, um, which is the place, essentially. I think there's this, there's this place that tends to shoot all of the sort of rugged, snowy, mountainous stuff, like the Revenant and some of those. Right. It's basically this one, like, park, essentially. Oh, really? In the, in the mountains of Alberta. And so uh, we shot there as well. In fact, I think we shot some of the exact same locations as, like, three or four other films. Oh, really? But, you know, snow and mountains are snow and mountains. So and they look so. awesome. They look film, fantastic. So. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so then we went to uh, Alberta and... Um, now I'm back here for the weekend uh, for both Easter and to um, 
to go to the Endgame premiere, which I right. did. So, uh, so I'll be there. The That's really Monday, cool. And then uh, I'll join back in New Mexico um, in uh, for for Jumanji, and then we end up in Glamis, California, which is where is that? It is uh, southeast of Los Angeles by about three. Um, three hours uh, I've shot there a couple of times if you want to shoot Glamis yeah if you well, okay if you google Glamis you're going to see two things you're going to see <laughs> pictures of dunes you're going to see pictures <laughs> of uh, of dune buggies and women in bikinis um, got it it's sort of um, I don't want to say trailer trashy but um, I get the picture it's yeah, a I little yes you know okay um, so uh, so I've shot there we did, we did I did a movie called War Dogs um, with that's another a Todd Phillips movie, and and we shot in uh, a bunch of places, including Albania and in New and in, in um, Las Vegas and in L. A. and in Morocco and in Glamis. So we 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 basically <laughs> shot we shot we it's shot like Iraq, all, all for, these exotic yeah, locations, and, and then Glamis. you're like and Glamis, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know the least glamorous of all of them, <laughs> Morocco and Glamis. Um, look almost identical, if depending on which angle you uh, you shoot. Right. So you know, I may have shot there because I've shot on dunes, and I mean, there's really very little there, right? There's very little there. Yeah, yeah I, I may have shot like a there. TGI Friday, and that's about it. So you know, I think. Oh, I might not have because I don't think where I was had a TGI Friday. <laughs> I remember there was like a country store kind of place that had almost nothing on the shelves. Yeah, so. there's very little. There's very little. <laughs> yeah, okay, there. it may yeah. be the same place. Yeah, there are a few places like that around LA. Yes. What's that one place out near the desert? It's kind of famous. Club Ed. You thinking about that? No. That place? A lot of a lot of music videos in the '90s and a lot of. No, uh, it doesn't matter. It's a town name that I've heard many times. Oh, I see. <laughs> but yeah. um, anyway, um, but so when you were in Alberta, because yeah. you texted me and you were like, sorry, my phone's been off all week. Yes, because there is no um, there, no service. There's no service up there in the mountain. You're, you're, the resort that we were staying at is about 40, 4,500 feet, and there is some service there. But then when oh, we okay. shoot at 7,500 and 8,000 feet, um, it's uh, it's pretty it's pretty tough to find a signal. So yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> which is which is fine for me because I am not somebody that spends a lot of time on my phone. I'm not on social media. I'm not one of these people that is basically attached to the hip, right? Um, uh, with my phone. But number of people on the set, including our actors, especially we have a couple of actors. Oh. Uh, I don't know if you saw the most recent or the the, the the prior iteration of of Jumanji, but it's basically exactly the same cast. Um, oh, okay. With an addition of of Danny Glover and Danny DeVito and a couple of other people. Wow, but that's else those are good additions. Yeah, no, it's a cool script. It's actually it's actually a better script, I think, than the first one. I mean, I I thought the first one was 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 fine and fun, um, but the sequel actually I think is going to be a little bit better, which is always nice when the sequel is cool. in the first one. But uh, anyway, so so Kevin Hart especially, um, oh, yeah. I, I, he he cannot spend more than more than five minutes away from his phone. So it was very funny to see him. I think going suffering some withdrawal symptoms because he you know you could tell you could tell he constantly was pulling out his phone. And at one point he even pulled out his phone and started tapping on it. And I said, Kevin. You don't have any reception. What are you doing? He's like, yeah, I know. It just makes me feel a little better. To- no way, really. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So he's just like faking it. I don't know. Maybe he was like, I mean, you know, he's he's got a huge, as you probably know, he's got a huge uh, social media presence, right, between Twitter and Instagram and, and these other yeah. things. So he's constantly. I mean, he he's he and 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 Dwayne Johnson are very carefully curating their yeah, their, their and the way to do that part. I've been told, mm-hmm. but is to. 
you have to be on it all the time and spend a ton of time and be really engaged. Do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they must be, and then addiction yeah. sets in and then it does. No, it's <laughs> true. It's true. So yeah. Anyway, so that's, that's, that's where I went. So I, I have these three days off and then uh, I'm cool. back off to it. So yeah. yeah well, I, I appreciate you coming in. <laughs> of course. <clears throat> it's uh, a busy weekend. Obviously the premieres what tonight? Monday. Oh, it's Monday. Monday, yeah. Oh. Yeah, that same thing we did for Infinity Wars as well. So it comes out on a Thursday, I think, for a long weekend. And so the premiere is that Monday usually. Okay. And then it comes out, I think, on Wednesday in, I want to say, Japan or one of those countries. But right. I think generally speaking, they usually have... Oh, it's like a worldwide It's wide a release, worldwide right? premiere. So, it, so yeah. it'll be... So, a- so it'll actually be coming out in, in both in in the US and in China on the same day that's very rare right but uh, they're they're you know they're they're rolling it all out on the same day right so in so in Australia and places like that it'll be Friday when it releases yeah, I guess so. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And again, there are, there's there's a country or two I think that is literally a day or two before, and I don't really know why. But generally speaking, it's a worldwide release. Is Japan on that? Is Japan before us uh, in the timeline? Or no, after? I think it's I think it's after. Oh. It's all after, right? Because I think um, the international dateline is right because it's, 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 it's Russia, like, right? Like yeah. So I think there's like Hawaii. I think is sort of the earliest on the, the right. Western hemisphere, and then I think it all goes. Or American Samoa or something, right? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, well, that's cool. I mean, yeah. that makes sense, though, why they release Thursday, because it's Friday for everybody else. Yeah, or not and, everybody. And but a lot of the tentpole movies do, you know, Thursday, just for that Thursday big, midnight, re, you know, releases. And right. Stuff. I mean, and I mean the three day weekend thing for sure. And right. this is a crazy one. I mean, you know, I initially when I got the call to do the the, the project, is that that was my first Marvel movie. And again, we shot Infinity War and Endgame both at the same time, essentially. So oh, you a, did? Yeah, it was a year and a half. It was a two hundred and forty day schedule, I think, which then turned into about close to three hundred. I think by the time we did all of our reshoots and oh, so on. My. So, so my first my first Marvel experience was these two movies you know it together essentially because we shot a lot of them in blocks because we would go to different locations and shoot some from movie one and move some from movie two wow um, and, and then who directed those was it the, the Russo, Russo brothers, brothers? yeah okay. yeah <clears throat> And then I also wound up doing right after that Captain Marvel, which right. came out earlier this year. But uh, so so I've I've sort of been indoctrinated into the sort of the Marvel world, um, and it was it was really uh, I mean I'd been warned you know it's Marvel it's Disney they're cheap they're this or that and right. and I think it was you know I had the opposite experience I mean I think you know we had close to a billion dollar budget on these two movies you know what That's, yeah I mean it was I think I told actually I'd been told by. One of the producers that it was a bit more than a billion, but I think a billion for yeah. two movies. Yeah, but when you think about it, that's that's some of, that's one of the best billion you're ever going to spend. I mean, I get it. Wars, you know, grossed two point five billion, and Endgame will probably gross three billion. Is my guess. So you know, off of a billion dollar investment, you know, no, you're, that's you're a big return. Back. <laughs> I get it. I get it. But I mean, is it, it? How much of what percentage goes on the screen? What do you think? Because you were there, you did. You were a steady camera. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's a tough one. I think that I can tell you what the basic cast breakdown was. Um, you know, again, I don't know whether this is whether these are trade secrets or not. But uh, I, I, I think um, Robert Downey Jr. I think got a payday of about one hundred and twenty million. Um, now. <laughs> Now that sounds astronomical, and to a degree, it is. Sure, it's certainly of more than you or I make. But um, the Marvel model is such that I, I don't think they they do a lot of sort of 
profit participation back end kind of stuff at least mm. not for for those films gotcha so i think he, he i think he may get some box office bumps but from right. what i understand most of his compensation was front loaded um gotcha. at about 120 million gotcha um and of course you know that i mean movie, the thing is you're worth it if they're paying it, you're Absolutely. worth it. And, no, then, for sure. and then when the movies yeah. make all the billions of dollars, yeah, yeah. then you're no, like, wow, he was in, cheap. They're not in the charity business, right? No. I mean, they're they're gonna they're gonna pay what they think you're worth. Right. And and the other thing about those movies is that you know we had, I mean, I want to say forty, you know, forty actors, twenty of which are A-list actors that right. headline their own three hundred million dollar movies. So so I think the uh, the cast breakdown probably was. 200 maybe 250 million or something like that um i'm guessing that's for two movies between right, you know chris hammersworth and chris sure. pratt and chris evans and you know and, oh, you had all the chris's uh, you know, all the chris's yeah. and, you know uh, uh i mean anybody who's seen any of these marvel movies they understand you know that's basically everybody that's ever been in a marvel movie is in these two movies right and so um so t- to answer your initial question i think that um uh, you know, a fair amount of it is on the screen in the sense that, you know, um, there's obviously also a fair amount in CG costs and post-production and that sort of stuff. Sure. But um, What do you think they spend on that? <laughs> Any uh, idea? Yeah, I mean, you know, let's say... Let's say each movie is because that's a like a team of hundreds of people budget. working on that. Thousands, yeah, potentially, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, uh, the roto and all the, I mean, everything. Just the constant, yeah, I mean, there's yeah. some, there's some environments. Certainly, some, some of the uh, set pieces that are that are set in spaceships and different planets and so on. Mm-hmm. You know, in Infinity Wars, I mean, we had Titan, which is right the planet that Thanos is from, and so on. I mean, all, a lot of those sort of environments the way that we do them in, in the marvel sort of universe is is um if it's not in a building per se or in a room or something like that if it's just sort of a a, a, a landscape maybe of some post-apocalyptic like planet or something like that you know everything about five feet and below from the ground and five feet up is real is stuff that's built essentially right on stages or outside or something like that or you know, wakanda for example you know we had wakanda both in black panther and in right. uh, infinity war the last Act of Infinity Wars was set essentially, you know, both on Titan and and Wakanda, and and uh, you know, yes. So we shot, you know, at at this ranch in Georgia, and you know, near the Pinewood, essentially for Wakanda. Um, but so every, I would say the rule of thumb, like you know, ten feet and above, uh, most of those sort of sets is essentially all CG world right. and so on. So I mean, there's a fair amount to be done, and of course, you know, the days of. You know, we all remember 10 years ago, even 15, 10, 15 years ago. And, you know, if if there was if there was, you know, sky replacement or set replacement to be done and so on, you know, there were lots of lots of sort of white knuckled uh, <laughs> producers, CG producers that would be very careful about how, you know, where you panned and tilted and how it was done. And should this be roto? Or should this be, you know, right. This, Don't move you know, the camera. That's right. Exactly. And if you are, then right. we're going to have to like get all these measurements and or, you know, maybe do a, a sort of you know, motion yeah. control or that sort of stuff. And nowadays, you know, I'm out there with a handheld camera just pointing whatever the hell I want and they don't seem to care. You know, if we get some blue screen behind some actors, they seem to be thankful. <laughs> <laughs> and that's if we really? get something. Yeah, I mean, it depends on who your production, your post supervisor is. My, some my, of them are really anal and some of them are not. And right. I think that's sort of commensurate with what the budget level is. I think yeah. the anality sort of increases when the budget goes down. It's like yeah. inversely proportional. Yeah, I think, yeah. <laughs> my, my, my assumption there is is that and I don't know if this is true maybe you can but that they make some kind of deal with 
company three or whoever's doing mm-hmm. their whoever's mm-hmm. doing their post work and it's like x amount and it's kind of like yes. they're not nitpicking yes do you know what so, i mean yeah so so the sequences are usually so like if you're doing a small thing with just a couple of effects yeah it's like we're doing these three things and you pay for that and if you do anything else right but that's it's a la carte totally right that's right right so, right, so right, on right. the big movies that that have a lot of cg yeah, basically different companies like in in a case of endgame you know you've got five or six major visual effects companies sure. from ilm to weta to you know sony to whatever right and, and they basically bid out sequences right so you are basically paying them for like okay here's 30 million dollars for this sequence essentially you know yeah. that sort of and and i think there is some give and take i think if there's an egregious amount of stuff that the filmmakers you know after the fact want or you know i mean i think you know in in, in endgame there's you know i don't remember three thousand or i mean it's a three hour long movie three three hours and three minutes is it really yeah yeah Holy i've seen cow. i've seen the most recent well not the final final cut but the cut that they had about three months three 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 months ago i think yeah but and it's it's a long long movie but it goes pretty fast um and uh so well it's wrapping up because i now, I have to admit I'm not really into these movies. Sure, but um, <laughs> neither am I. I'm, I'm <laughs> right. To say. Well, you're, you're learning a lot about mm-hmm. them, though, I guess. Um, but uh, it, it, this this wraps up this chapter of yes, that's the right. whole that's thing, right? right? Yeah. So, so no wonder it's bigger and longer and yeah, more yeah. You've got a, a lot of storylines to sort of wrap up and right. And uh, I mean, there's always a little bit of. Funny business, I think, in the sense that you know, people who die never really die. I mean, what I can say, obviously, I've had, I've had a number of people sort of try to to corner me and say, "Okay, please, you know, what can you tell me about these oh, movies? Right. Who dies?" And all, you know, I've obviously, you know, I think there are probably some snipers trained on this on this uh, this apartment so? right now, oh. waiting, waiting for me to say <laughs> waiting something. Waiting for you to slip yeah, up. If you see like a laser on my now, forehead, I saw it's because a weird I said guy I on a roof <laughs> exactly. when I walked you in. Yeah, the helicopters are, are <laughs> off the line. Uh, so, I, you know, we all have to be very careful. Yeah. About Sure. That stuff. Sure. But um, but you know it, it's it's uh, it, it's it's a it's a bit of a wild ride and fun I have to say I mean you know we're not creating art per se I mean I, I, you know I've done movies it's art in its own way it is it's really cool I think when you know that literally a billion people are going to watch right. something that you've made right. you know um, maybe it's, it's pop art. <laughs> yeah, and, and and you know all you have to do is 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 you know take a, a couple hour tour on uh, on YouTube um, and see what the fan base how much it means to the fan right. base. It's pretty crazy. I mean, you know, check tra- trailer reactions or sometimes, you know, I mean, I, I'm curious myself just what people think. I mean, you know, I did the movie The Joker. Um, or, sorry, Joker is called, not the Joker, which will which come out looks in, really in, interesting. Yeah, it was a really interesting experience. I had a great time with it, and I've done five movies with that director and six movies with that DP. Yeah, Todd Phillips directed. That's that, right. right. Yeah, that's crazy. yeah, we did the Hangovers together and War Dogs and. Uh, uh, and um, did you do all the hangovers? I did, yeah. yeah oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I didn't see a couple of them on your IMDb. The first and the third is on there, and the second one I wound up not doing uh, the portion that they shot in Thailand because I was on another project. I think it was oh. on like uh, GI Joe Two or something like that, so I couldn't. So it's not on my. I, I, I'm pretty. Reli- I'm pretty religious about um, not putting like taking things off. From my IMDb, if I didn't do the whole thing, or hmm. if I, 
I mean, unless I leave a, a week or two early, but I, yeah. I don't, I'm not one of these people that likes to have, you know, stuff on because oftentimes, you know, it, when's the last time you gave somebody a resume? Right. Right. It's not, resumes don't exist anymore. Right. I don't think I've updated my, my resume in more than five years. Yeah. Same. And so to me, that means now you're IMDb, you're expected, I think, to sort of curate that yourself mm -hmm. and, and anybody, um, because the first thing that that's a potential hire is going to do is check your. Oh, they IMDb. hear your name and they're typing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, of right? course. And What's so this you want to make sure that, and, right. and that's what other operators are doing too. And so the last thing you want is to have something on there where where some other operators like, like, no, I'm I pretty sure I did that, and I don't think he did, or at least that portion or whatever. Right. So anyway, that's why Hangover Two isn't on there, but Hangover okay. and Hangover Three are on there. Yeah, sure. gotcha. Yeah. You're you're like the opposite of John Hankammer. I don't know if you know John. I do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, John was like, I don't know how to get all this stuff on there. Like, I. Because I looked at his and I'm like, well, I know you did this show, this show, this show, and none of those are on there. And right. he's like, I don't know. They just reject my stuff. I'm like, what? <laughs> I had a, We sat in the break and I updated it for him. And, oh, that's uh, awesome. Not the whole thing. Just like I yeah. showed him how to. So hopefully he's done it. But, um, right. Right. But, um, and it was up the next day. So yeah, they've gotten so much better. I think they have like must have hordes of people hired somewhere that are like working in a cave in like Mumbai or something like that. Uh, Wherever that Amazon. Because, well, that's true. Is it Amazon? Yeah. Oh, I didn't it. know Amazon. Oh, yeah, no, and apparently IMDb started like in LA, like Santa Clarita or something. I forget. Okay. Somebody was telling me. Yeah. Somewhere I think around here. Yeah. But um, but they were really bad at first about updating stuff and. Yes, I do remember. Send that. them stuff and yeah, they yeah, just yeah. wouldn't put it on. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and I know because I look like I'll see a show, you know, maybe the first time I looked you up is I watched Six Feet Under. Right. And I went, wow, this is great. And the Steadicam is really good. Who's the guy? And I watched your credits. Right. Jeff Haley. Who's it? You know? uh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, do right. you, I don't know if you do that. I, I, oh, for sure. I, I mean, if it's somebody I don't know, I'm like, exactly. Oh, cool. Although what I have, have to done? say that it's rare that I don't know the name when I see the credit, with the exception of some of the movies that were shot like in England or someplace mm -hmm. where you're like, okay, I don't know exactly who that person is. And I will sometimes check that out. I normally know names now, but yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. talking about how long ago was Six Feet Under. That's true. Yeah, that was in 2000. Uh, Jesus, hold on a second. That ended in 2004, I think. <laughs> yeah, because I went right from American Beauty right onto that. In fact, I got the job from Six Feet Under because of American Beauty. Because um, the writer, Alan Ball, Alan Ball yeah, right. was the one that approached me to do uh, Six Feet Under. Yeah. So, wait, I have a question for you. Yeah. Because about American Beauty. Yes. So, I heard a story, yeah. and I want you to confirm or unconfirm this. Yes. So, were you doing video assist on it? Because you used to do, you you were like a big video assist guy. I was, I was a, tw okay, I was a 20, not video assist, right? There's 20, there's 24 oh, playback, playback sorry. and there's video assist. You were a playback guy. Sorry. I, I did playback the way that it worked was this basically i started in sound essentially and the reason why i started in sound is um during the four summer i didn't go to film school i went to school in northern california um and spent my summers driving down to la and essentially working my film school was essentially the summers between college cool. right and and uh, as a uh, pa or whatever yeah well that's the thing i i immediately got uh, involved with uh, with sound because I I am a cellist. I've been a cellist since age five and, and oh really yeah yeah and uh, a jazz drummer and and um, so I uh, approached the sound world a little bit because I knew I could get in um, more easily even though I knew I was eventually wanting to go into camera I just didn't have any no, no background whatsoever. you didn't have any connections none to make, whatsoever right. I, mean, I didn't have any connections. 
period when I first you know yeah, got yeah, to yeah. LA. But uh, I I uh, so I got in the union. I mean, I'll tell you. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll tell you the story just because it's 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 a pretty wacky one, and a lot of okay. people say like that's that's the craziest story I've ever heard about somebody how they got into the business. But basically, I was a freshman in college, um, and. What year would this have been? This would have been 91 or okay. 90, 91, I think, yeah. All right. Um, I went to Stanford and drove down to L.A. Uh, and thought, like, I was, I'd was, i heard from other people or I'd read somewhere, I think, that, that what you do is you go and become a PA on a, you know, in, during your summer break on, uh, on, on a If you want to go in the movies, That's you right. find That's something. That's right. That's what you do. Right. And I yeah, was like, sure. well, you know what? I, I have a sh- shitty car that I can drive down to L.A. with. Let me do that. That sounds easy. <laughs> <laughs> what, of course, you don't realize is that everybody has that same idea, especially uh-huh. the people that go to AFI and to UCLA and to USC and to right. Long Beach. All these, they also want to go, you know, and become a PA. So, right. I, you know, I started knocking on some doors uh, and everybody basically just told me to fuck off because, I mean, I had nothing to sh- What to have you done anything. before? Exactly. I mean, right. you're, you're, not even, you're not even in a film even program. Even as a PA, yeah. you can't, uh, yeah. You know, I, was, I studied psychophysiology in college, right? I had nothing to <laughs> do with Stanford? Yeah, exactly. Jeez, um, and uh, so, uh, so anyway, I, 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 I was, I was pretty uh, tenacious about trying to find something. So I knocked on uh, the door of of this one production. I went to the production office, and I and I accidentally went to them twice. Oh. Um, I didn't realize I'd gone. So to you had again. a list, and we're just yes, going around. I think at that point it was like backstage west or whatever. Like the the you know the the magazine right. was that you could see right. in the back what, what the was different coming. things were coming up and what we're shooting and so on hollywood reporter or one I of those i think that's probably what it was right yeah. and i think at stanford we even like had a subscription to that someplace so i mean the i was really or whatever, right? sure. sure like who knows maybe the drama department which i wasn't in so right. that that kind of thing you know you know but i'm just like hey i've got my held reporter and it's got a bunch of so i'm gonna go down there and just work on one of those things i was so naive it was crazy anyway so i went Naivete to this place is, is, is a positive thing sometimes for sure and for i mean sure. look it's, look it's, got you essentially <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> so you drive to LA and yeah then... so so anyway so this this so I went to this production office a second time at the UPM was just like didn't I see you a couple of days ago and I was like as soon as I saw him I was like oh shit yeah I am he goes well look if you want to be an unpaid script PA and script intern in the production office you can do that I was like sure that, that that'd be great I mean I, I wanted anything anything right, at right, all right. right and um, and it was a at lunch on the first day, he asked me if I wanted to go and I'd go down and visit the set. The production office was right upstairs from the actual stage that they were on. Okay. And I think it was like Sunset Gower or someplace. It wasn't one of the major studios. And I said, oh, that'd be great. Thanks. I'd, I'd love to visit a set. I'd never visited a set before, right? And so uh, it was it was close to lunchtime. He... Um, he he drops me off at the edge of the set, and he says, "He says, look, I need to go talk with the wardrobe, you know, sure. supervisor or something like that. You know, uh, I'll I'll pick you up in five minutes, and we'll go back upstairs." <laughs> so, so I had done a little bit of research. I mean, I was mostly clueless, but not one hundred percent clueless. So, okay. as soon as he left, I made a beeline for the sound mixer. Now, what I had done is I had picked movies at that point. It was a non-union movie, and at that point in 1991, you had movies that were 
considerably high budgets for yeah. being non-union. Yeah. This was like an $8 million movie. Yeah. Nowadays, it's unheard of. You have, Pulp Fiction was famously non-union. Yeah, I think Reservoir Dogs and a lot of those right. things. That's right. Well, it's true. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I picked the movies that were non-union and only had two-person sound teams. I'd read somewhere that a sound team is usually three people, the mixer, the boom operator, and wow, the cable you, guy. Wow, you did know something. I did know a little bit. I just didn't know how hard it was going to be to do anything, but I did know. I had a plan. You know what I mean? It was might have been a right. flawed plan, but it was a plan. Yeah. And um, so I went to the sound mixer immediately, and I said, hey, my name is Jeff. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm an intern upstairs stapling scripts. Uh, but I, I've been a cellist ever since I was five years old, and I'm a drummer, and I have some studio uh, recording experience, and I noticed that you only have two people in your sound department, and, and I was wondering if, if you could use any help. And he looks at me, and he goes, ah, I'd love some help. That, that, that'd be great. And I said, well, that's awesome, but could you do me a favor and talk to the, the, the UPM about <laughs> you got to talk to UPM <laughs> right. and they're giving you up. <laughs> right. And so, on day one? So this is day one. This is day one. This is, this is, this is a, uh, a Monday. And this UPM is probably like so. This so yeah, he bitch. walks over to the UPM, and I could see them. I can see them talking. So he did it like right from then. Him. Oh yeah, he literally went over there, <laughs> and I was I wasn't anywhere near, but I saw them from across the stage, and he was talking. I could just sort of see the UPM just like shoot me these like you know eyeballs, <laughs> on, like man. what the hell have you done? So all right, so by the end of that day, uh, I was the cable guy. Okay, get out. So of that here. was so that was so I was a non-union cable guy. On Wednesday, you're interning essentially. I'm an, I'm an intern still. But right? they're not they're not paying you for that, right? Yeah. They're not. Right, right. On Wednesday, I go in to work and I say to the uh, the mixer, I said, "Thank you so much. For, I'm learning so much. Uh, I I however will not be able to be here for the duration of the show because I I do you know uh, this is my my summer between college and I, I need, need to make, make a little bit of money. Right. Uh, so I'm going to get a waiting job or something. And, uh, and he said, oh, you're not getting paid? I, I said, no. I, go, I didn't know that. Well, hold on. I mean, let me talk to the UPM. Oh, <laughs> Conversation number two with the, with the UPM. So by the end of that day, I'm getting a PA rage, uh, wage. Right? Really? Yeah. Um, so that was... Was that part of your plan? No. Or you no. just realized, shit, I can't work for three months for free. Yeah, I guess yeah, that part I hadn't really figured out. I just yeah, figured okay. out somehow I'd, I don't, yeah, that's a good question. I have no idea why I don't have an answer for that, but Which I don't know. Which the naivete paid off That's again. right, exactly. Right. So, so by that point, I was getting paid. Um, then on Friday, we wrap, and over the weekend, the boom operator quits. Dives into a swimming pool and drowns. He no. hits his head on, I guess, the bottom. It was the shallow end or something. It was crazy. It was absolutely insane. So, oh my god! Monday comes, and of course, the news, you know, is 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 tragic for everybody. Um, this this sound team. Had, did anyone know, or did he just not show up? No, I think they knew. Somebody found out. Yeah, somebody found out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, so, okay. by, by Monday morning, everybody knew. Right. And the sound mixer, a guy named Marty Bolger, who had done a lot of huge movies. He had been working with this guy for 15 years and so on. He was a major, major No relation tragedy. to Whitey Bulger. Not at all. Okay, I don't think it. so. Um, <laughs> uh, no, Marty Bulger is, if you talk to any sound person, they will him. tell you, right. like, yeah, because he was the president of the sound union for oh, a long cool. time and that sort okay. of stuff. Um, so he, um, he tells the production that he is going to leave uh, uh, because he needs to take some to take some time to deal with. Oh, this. because of his yeah, he was yeah, sad. He, he was, probably knew this guy really well. They'd worked together for fifteen years. Oh, God. right. It was a sound team that worked together for. Oh, 15 that's years. horrible. 
Um, so I, th I think he said, okay, I'll give you a day or two so you can maybe find another mixer. And um, but, but in the meantime, I am now the boom operator on that Monday and Tuesday. Uh, I think Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Did another mixer come in? Like? Well, I'm still, it's still Marty. It's still that guy. So he's like, I'll stay for today. Exactly, for a couple of days. And so ne then I, now I'm the boom operator, right? I've, I've never done any of this. My first time I'd ever set foot on a, on a set, of course, was a week before. <laughs> and now you're boom. And now I'm the boom operator, right? So now this is where... What movie was this, by the way? It was called National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon 1. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um... Uh, which I'm, by the way, miscredited on as the prop PA on my IMDb. No uh, way. Yes, and you can't get them to change it. No, it's it's fine. I have no 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 interest in changing that anyway. But uh, but <laughs> I thought you wanted accuracy. <laughs> exactly. You well, know, there yeah. was a prop PA that, that, wanted, that needed that credit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so this is where the story gets a little bit weird. <laughs> this is where it gets yeah, weird. This is where it gets weird. All right. Um, Marty leaves. And uh, he has a friend of his that's going to come is going to take over, and uh, uh, for some reason, which I to this day don't understand, for the sake of continuity, the producers decide that they want to keep the boom operator on and just get a sound mixer to come re replace the original sound mixer. Now there must have been a major case of amnesia because they had to have remembered that I wasn't really a boom Four days operator. ago, you'd never been on yes. a set before. And, and I certainly, like, like I'm not the guy, I'm not the guy that stays behind to, like, maintain continuity in a department. You're the disruptor. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the, 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 the green shirt that gets killed by the alien first, right? I'm, You're I'm the not guy like that the guy. goes outside yeah. when he shouldn't. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, so now, uh, so now, so now, what what happens at that point is that a cavalcade of mixers come in to replace. Because oh, nobody can do the whole thing. Nobody can do the whole right. thing. And and Marty, at that point, having been the the uh, the the president of the Sound Local, um, had a lot of really big time Academy Award winning sound mixer friends. Right. Who would come in to finish for this. For three days, for a week. Yeah, or maybe a week or two, or this right. or that. So I wound up working with four or five major sound mixers right. during that time period. Um, Were you any good? Uh, I think I was a good enough, I guess, not to be fired. Okay. Um, you figured it out? Uh, yeah, to a degree. I mean, I did understand. Look, I understand. It's one thing for your boomer. You understood you, you how have to mic worked. Yeah, I understood mic placement. I understood right. patterns. I understood, like, basically, uh, and, and part of my major at Stanford um, actually has to do with acoustics and has to do with physics. And, and so it, it was all sort of kind of gelling a little bit. Okay. Um, so I worked with a bunch of these guys. Oh, and... About uh, one or about four or five days after Marty left, the union came in and organized the movie. <laughs> so, so to recap, a week and a half after I first set foot on a movie set, I was now a union boom operator booming for Academy Award winning sound mixers. And uh, and I I went back to school that you know for my sophomore year with an extra forty grand or thirty grand in my pocket that I never expected you know I was expecting to like come back with just enough basically to pay three thousand dollars exactly right. that was lucky kind of thing, and of course that meant that every summer after that year I had a bunch of mixtures that I could call and be like hey can I I'm available yeah, I'm for available. the summer exactly um, and so I wound up having a you know a great you know. 
four years my film school was four summers of working on some awesome projects and uh and and learning so much about about you know how films are made and and the sort of the technical side of things and during that during that experience i was becoming friends with steadicam operators uh, because I, I, my plan had always been to transition into Steadicam, so I wound up going, sp- staying in sound for what, another year, year and a half after I graduated. Right, and then I, I bought a, a, a Steadicam and and, uh, and and transitioned directly from being a boom operator into being. And then, and you can afford operator. it because of your because of your. Well, I couldn't. I couldn't. I mean, the sense that I, I that was, that was another weird thing. Um. You know, I wound up not having to take the student loans that loans. I thought I would. Right. So, so instead I of actually, having loans, you just paid. Yeah. Right. So I had my my Stanford education free essentially, and so I walked. I, I I was I was I you know graduated without any student loan debt, which was fantastic. Right. right? I see. Um, but not but not much cash. Uh, some, I mean, some, right, you know, yeah. but certainly not enough to buy a Steadicam. Right. And I do remember it was again, it was one of those weird kind of things where you know, I I was working in, um, I was going to wait an additional year to buy a Steadicam. This was now, I think, in 1996 or 95 or something like that. But I was working with a sound mixer that I. I uh, couldn't stand, mm. absolutely couldn't stand, and I, he drove me. Literally. What's his name? Just yeah, kidding. exactly. I, I can't say. I can't say. No, I won't no, say the no. movie, and I won't say the name of the no, song. Makes it, but uh, I not think, everybody always gets along. No, for sure. And I think I don't think there are a lot of people that would come to his defense anyway. He's Got it. sort of infamous for being difficult, uh, especially on the people in his own team. Um, so he was driving me so crazy that I decided, like, you know what, I gotta. I, I got to do this Steadicam thing now. Um, I have absolutely no experience, and I've tried the Steadicam on for a combined total of, I think, an hour and a half between mm. two or three Steadicam operators while I was a <laughs> boom operator. At lunch or whatever. That kind of thing, exactly. Right. Um, and Who were those people? Do you remember? Yeah. Uh, Andrew Rollins, um, Chris oh, wow. Harhoff, um, and... Um, so a bunch of nobodies. Yeah, exactly. Got and it. Marco Kane. Those are the three guys. All the nobodies. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, wait, let me, sorry, yes. let me sidetrack for yes, one second. Yes, yes. Because I'm really curious how it's possible that as a freshman, you go into Stanford in neuropsychology, you said? No, psychophysiology. Sorry, yeah. psychophysiology. Yeah. But the whole time you want to be a Steadicam operator. Well, the whole time I wanted to be a filmmaker. I wanted to. Be, I wanted to. Okay, yeah. so you didn't know Steadicam yet until you started seeing no, it. No, I'd always been interested okay. in Steadicam. I thought it was something very, very interesting. I just sort of figured, you know, I moved down to LA with eight or ten of my friends that we were in an acapella singing group together at Stanford, and 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 so there were eight of us, I think, that wanted to to basically go and somehow you know, get into film. get into film, and you know, so that's who you were coming down with every summer. No, I, I went down with with but I, I was by myself for, for during the summers. Oh, but got when it. I graduated, there were a number of people that ah. were like, "Okay, we know we want to," and they want to know you because you're in the business already. <laughs> Not necessarily. Oh, really? I, be, o- oh. O- only because they were all um, they weren't technicians in oh. the sense that. Okay. They all want Our to be approach and, stuff. and producers and writers oh, okay. essentially, right? Yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah. these guys are writers, and a lot of them have become. Very successful writers on you know all sorts of shows, oh, good Daily for them. Show, okay, and all sorts cool. of stuff. Yeah, um, 
And uh, so, so that's the thing. They all moved down, and they, we all kind of wanted to meet up together, essentially, mm-hmm. at the end. But what their process was like, okay, to be, like, one of them became Scott Rudin's his personal assistant for a while, and that sort of stuff. So they went through the studio route, you know, mailroom end right. up kind of thing, and I was kind of going the technician right. route. They're going up. into agencies and studios, yeah, that sort that. of stuff, right? So, so that was something that um, th- we were. Different, totally that, different, you know, right? But yeah. I remember, like the first year when we graduated, we were living. There were six of us living in a three-bedroom apartment um, in uh, one of these weird, like, uh, apartment complexes, but a couple blocks away from Warner Brothers. I do remember, like, a few a few cast members from Saved by the Bell oh, upstairs from us. I know where you're talking it's called about. Called Park Point. It's on Hollywood Bull uh, North uh, Hollywood. Bull- I mean, sorry. Um, Hollywood uh, Way. Uh, Hollywood Way, exactly. That's yes. right. You know, I mean, there's a number of those complexes yeah, yeah, around, yeah. but... Well, there's one know. on the hill, um, not on Barham, but on... Yeah, those are the, yeah, those are the those are the Coenga Hills tennis apartments, which I stayed at for, for, for a year or two Yeah, but there's well. some right on the top where all the actors go from around the country at pilot season. All the kids. Got it. No, th- this was different. This right. was literally like one of those sort of, you know, sliding glass door, yeah. shag carpet kind of places yeah, that yeah, were yeah. sort of new, but not that great. Yeah. For some reason, I'm not sure sure why but like i think mario lopez and screech i think were like living above us it was a weird it was a weird first couple the years studio probably paid for them to stay there i think so. they were from exactly. wherever that's right yeah, right yeah, yeah, exactly. that's funny did you become friends with screech not everyone really. wants to know not, oh, not that's really. a shame yeah i know that's, that's i know too it's too bad. bad no it's one of the major regrets of my life yeah it and should be one, one of these days maybe you know i can i can write that wrong <laughs> it really should be a regret <laughs> um but, but so oh sorry you, you but were, why didn't but yeah. so the what i'm saying is you were really interested in the film business yes. even going into college did it, yes. it never occurred to you to I, go to film school or to do something related I, I asked around and basically i got some very good advice from somebody i don't remember even who it was but basically you know i i come from a family of academicians i think i'm the first person in several generations not to get my phd and become a professor wow so um and uh i think i wound up taking the track doing the track that i did uh because partly because i felt like the film industry seemed like the wild wild west right and i felt like i needed to have some kind of a uh an exit strategy for when this Hollywood thing wasn't going to work. Right. And to a degree. And that's smart. Uh, it is. Although I think that. I tell you people know, don't go to film school. No. I, it's the funny thing is I, <laughs> I, I talk at film schools now. And one of the first questions I, I get asked weirdly is from a, a student who says, do you think it's a good idea to go to film school? And I, I kind of look at them like, really? You're going to film school right now and you're going to ask me that question? Right. Because guess what? 50% of, of, of you know, the, there's a 50% chance that you're about to be really disappointed by my answer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, you can ask that question before you go to film school don't ask that question to somebody right. when you're at film school right don't <laughs> yeah. ask that question if you don't know the answer that's like, right we don't want to hear the answer for sure exactly. right yeah. and you yeah. know you don't so <laughs> exactly <laughs> so um, what do you say yeah um i say no i'm pretty diplomatic about it i, I say, imagine look, there are things about do they film pay school. you to go there uh <laughs> do you mean to speak it there yeah yeah some some of them do. okay some so do. Yeah, they'll yeah, stop yeah, paying yeah. you if yeah, that's <laughs> right exactly <laughs> um yeah no but so what i what i'd heard from from somebody and again i just don't remember who it was was uh you know he said what you need to know to be in the film bit to work in the film industry especially if you if you're going to be a technician of some kind you can learn uh 
within a couple of weeks. It's right. not a rocket science. And right. I think that's obviously it's a highly controversial thing to say because, right. you know, now 22 years into the business, obviously everybody's still learning. But to a degree, um, you know, it, it is literally not rocket science, right? It's not, you're not, you're not performing surgery on, right. on a brain or something like that. It's, 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 you can find your way fairly easily. And so, but what... It reminds the, me of what the, this famous poker player, Doyle Brunson, says about Hold'em poker. Yeah. So it takes five minutes to learn and a lifetime to master. You know what? Yeah, in, that's a good point. In yeah. a lot of ways, exactly. you within two weeks on a set, you get how things run. You get you the do. deal. Exactly. It doesn't make you a good steady cam operator no. or a good gripper. No. Exactly. But, yeah. but you get the idea. You do. Exactly. Anyway, sorry. Continue. No, no, no worries. But it's very true. I think it's really apt. Um, so what? The, what? Basically, what the guy said is, look, it, um, before you learn how to make a movie, you should learn what to make a movie about. And that always stuck with me. Um, that's interesting. And he said. Uh, you can get trapped in film school in that you, the film school is more designed to teach you how to make a film than it is to essentially form your brain into deciding what story you want to tell. Right. And that's why I said, okay, well, then what I'm going to do is study what I want uh-huh. and spend my film school during the summers learning on set and then such study a, the things such that I a smart do. play yeah. it's a smart move potentially I mean uh, arguably there are things Wait, potentially no you're this is 30 years later you're you're in the business well, I know but you know <laughs> working wh- on the biggest wh- movies where, ever. where would I be had I chosen the other route you know would I be directing the, the the biggest movie ever as opposed to being the a camera operator on that it's hard to tell you never well know, you know okay I mean? but I understand that you want it well you have directed we'll I have. talk about that in a minute but mm-hmm. but I so I get that but you're right. I see your point. It, you're taking. You're talking about taking the path that your friends took more than the path that you took. Yes, I will say I certainly have no regrets whatsoever because right. because what I do believe, and I think everybody in this audi- you know, in the audience, whoever is listening, who is a working camera operator, would agree with the following statement: that the camera operator truly has the best job on the set. Yeah. And I believe that even more, having directed five episodes of television and and a feature and and that sort of stuff and a pilot, and um, I do really believe it's an amazing, amazing job. And I'm so glad that I, you know, I, I, right. I did that. Yeah, you yeah, know. yeah. Um, So so anyway, the 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 point being that, uh, you know, I felt like. Um, it, it made sense. That path made sense for me. Um, but that said, you know, he she, go, going back to where we originally were, which is I was trying to figure out how I could transition now from sound into Steadicam. Right. And I wanted to do it quickly because I didn't want to work with asshole mixers anymore. Right. And I didn't want to become a mixer myself. Right. So I had to figure out how I could come up with basically $75,000, which I didn't have. I think I had 25000 or something like that, and that was money that I also would love to have for a rainy day fund. So I really didn't have the money for a steady cam. Yeah. Back, and this is now 1994, 95, 96, 95, I think, something like that. Okay. Um, it's not easy to get... First of all, you don't you didn't have the choice back then that you do, you do now, right? You have competing rigs out there, lots of used equipment. You can mm-hmm. do all sorts of stuff. Back then, you could maybe find a used Model Three or something like that, and maybe a you know uh, the Pro uh, One was around, right? Or it, no? it had just come out, but yeah. you certainly couldn't buy it used, right? No, anybody no, 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 no. anybody who had bought the Pro uh, was uh, was Hang buying it, it new. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and 
so so that I had to figure out how I was going to pay for that. Sure. Um, and uh, my parents, who were professors, certainly didn't have the, the money to do that. Right. Um, and, and they're professors at, at small liberal arts schools, school, so so that wasn't that wasn't a, a, a possibility. You know, I checked into the. I mean, it, it's sort of the chicken and the egg thing that obviously I, a lot of people who are getting into this business who have to deal with the notion of like, you know, in order to be good, proficient at this thing, I need you to have own. time on this thing. Right. You know, whether it's a gimbal, whether it's a Steadicam, what, you know, there's so many things out there that this sort of qualifies under. So it's a relevant conversation to have. But you know, and then of course back then, you know, you were able to get loans, but that was, that was really really hard to come by yeah um there were i think there was a bank or two that was sort of specialized in doing this those kind of loans like but film was, equipment loans i think so right. but the interest rates were really really high and it was crazy um but i had a film professor who was one of my advisors mm. i had I had a couple of advisors um uh one of my advisors was condoleezza rice <laughs> Was Seriously? Yeah, she was a professor at the time. <laughs> and uh, She's back at Stanford, isn't she? I think she is. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, and then another advisor it's was a very smart person, so uh, Condoleezza Rice. For yeah, sure. Very, very Oh, yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. And yeah. she could have easily gone the other direction as far as she's, she could have been in a Democratic uh, administration as much as she was in a Republican. So I'm, I'm, I... Is that so? I think so, for yeah. sure. I mean, she she never struck me as a particularly, uh, you know, a particularly conservative, you know, sort of thinking person. But you know, I don't know. Right. Um, so wasn't I, she the first? Sorry, wasn't yeah. she the first woman let into um, where they play the Masters in Georgia? Oh, Augusta. Augusta. Wasn't she the first woman? I don't know. Admitted to Augusta. I don't know. That's a good question. I, have I no think idea. she might have been. You mean to anyway, because I don't think she's a player. I don't think she's a really. I uh, must be thinking of somebody else then. Huh. I must be thinking of somebody else. I, I thought it was her, but as a member, yeah. as a member, is what I was. Thinking. Oh, I see. As a member, I'm probably oh, gotcha, way. Gotcha. I'm probably it's, way. It's very possible. I may it's be way possible. off, but no, no, I think it's very possible. Oh, okay. Anyway, um, sorry. So, so I, so I. <laughs> Random trivia. <laughs> I called this professor friend of mine who was my advisor, and I said, you know, if you, if you were my in my situation and you needed to come up with seventy five thousand um, uh, dollars, you know, and and the only bit of collateral is something that any right-sided bank would take a look at and say what the hell is this you know it's not like it's a car or a house it's something that they don't even know what it is right it's hard you know it's hard to get a loan for something like that um i asked him i said literally what like what what you do what would you do in this situation and um and he said uh well how much is it that you need again and he's like i said oh, 75 000, so give or take um and he says and how long of a uh, how long would you need to pay that back and i said I don't know, like maybe I'm hoping maybe three years or three and a half years or something. And he goes, well, okay, I'll, I'll do, I'll do it. <laughs> so, w- w- did you have any consideration whatsoever of asking him for Oh, no, one? not at all. I just, I mean, he, he was really smart, smart with money. I just wanted, I wanted advice. Right, yeah, of course. I just wanted advice, right? Uh, and, and so, so he Who loaned me. This? What's his number? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He loaned me seventy five thousand dollars. Holy um, cow! And uh, uh, yeah, so I then so I, I no interest. Uh, no, there was interest, but I think okay. it was like two and a half percent, three percent. Something wow. was quite low. Something it was, nice. was quite low. Yeah. Um, and I think it was something that I sort of insisted upon myself too. He would have probably given it to me without it, but I felt like okay, this is crazy. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, How well did you know this guy? I mean, I know he was well, your he was, advisor. In I college, know. But not. I mean, I well, but I I don't I don't understand. I don't well understand as to a student day. teacher kind of thing, but as yes. a human being, right? Hardly. Yeah. It's not like we you know we had drinks at, in the, on the weekends, right? Or, you know what I mean? Or that's or, crazy. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know. But what it says to me is that he 
he saw something in you for yes. a long time. Yes, he did. And knew that you were going to be successful. Yes. So wanted to get his money in with the success. Well, and I think more than that, because he also had nothing to do with the film industry. He didn't know anything about right. it. But he felt like I was trustworthy enough that I would, you know, I would move mountains to honor a debt. Right. I think, I think that's what he had learned about me after, you know, okay. years of spending time with me, I think. Um, which which is worth a lot sure right? these days I yeah. think especially um, so I I called some of my Steadicam friends I was still doing this movie as the boom operator uh-huh. miserable I had another I think three weeks left so I mm-hmm. called a bunch of my Steadicam friends who knew me as a, as a boom operator Harhoff Harhoff and Rollins okay. um, and I think again maybe maybe Marco Kane <laughs> um, and I said um, hey uh so you know, uh, I'm I I'm buying a rig, and so if you have anything that uh, y- you don't can't do, don't want to like do, like a student film or something, would you would you throw you know throw my name into the mix? And they were all gracious, and they said, yeah, sure, you know that kind of thing. Um, a week later, I get a call from a line producer, and uh, he says. Uh, Hey, uh, we got your name from Andrew Rollins. Um, we're doing a, a film, and we're looking for an A-camera Steadicam operator uh, for this film. Have you ever put your eye in an eyepiece? At this point, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, and this story gets crazier. <laughs> it gets crazier, yeah. Uh, and and he's, he, I said, uh, he said, it's a horror movie. Um, it was a non-union movie at the time. Uh, it's a horror movie. We're going to shoot it in Wisconsin, and uh, and Andrew thought that you might be a good person to reach out to. <laughs> At which point, I asked, "Did did he mention that I don't have much of a resume?" <laughs> By which I meant I had no resume whatsoever. I was going to be taking delivery of my Steadicam a week later. Oh my god! Um, and he said, "Yeah, I think he mentioned something like that." Uh, but you know, we we can't pay a lot, um, so. You know, so we know what we're what we're getting. Right. Um, he said uh, we can, we can only pay five thousand a week. <laughs> Again, I dropped the phone almost because I was thinking like, okay, I'm expecting to do freebies for like right. gas money. Right, 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 um, right, right. So he said, "Are you interested?" And at that point, I had to make a really tricky decision because the other problem was that it was going to start three weeks from then so I was going to have two weeks to finish up this project I was going to get my rig in one week right and I, after this project Gotta ended sure I was going to have one for sure I was going to have one week between the, pro, the, the the sound job ending and this and me flying out to Wisconsin I was going to have one week and you and you were not going to quit the sound job uh no I hadn't really thought of doing that because I felt like well um Maybe I'll need to. Oh, sorry. No worries. Uh, we're fine. Oh, yeah. We're fine. Maybe I'll need they to. Prob- the audience probably didn't hear that, but we heard. Oh, a little got weird it. Sorry. Gotcha. Alert. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> sorry. Um, so uh, I wound up uh, saying yes to the job, which, if I had known then what I know now, I would never have said yes. Right. Only because, again, it's that naivete that we were talking about. Sure. I didn't know what I didn't know, and. Um, it's such a positive in so many instances. Yeah, it can be. And it can be a huge 
bridge burning negative as yeah. well, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. I well, because now you'd be like, I can't, I can't go in there. The, the whole world will know I'm terrible if that's I right. screw up. Right. For sure. It'll and, ruin my reputation forever. And, and it may rep- ruin the reputation, at least to a certain degree, of Andy Rollins. Right. right. I, I, didn't, I didn't want to do that either. Right. But Who was I said shooting yes. this? Was it somebody you knew of, or no? I mean, okay. it was somebody. I, again, I didn't know. I didn't know DPs anyway. I mean, no, I not that you ones. knew him, but you knew of. It was sort was, of not really. It's a guy, okay. a guy named Keith Holland. I don't okay. know if he's even shooting anymore. He's a, a Brit. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, anyway, so I'm sorry. And what movie was it? It was called Fever Lake. Loved it. Yes, Loved Corey it. Haim, Corey Feldman. Uh, it was a werewolf movie. And, it's an obvious classic. Oh, classic. I mean, hey, and I could relate to that. I mean, I grew up, you know, I grew up watching their movies. Uh, you know, when I was when I was a kid, so I was like, whoa, I get to work on a. Corey so this is Corey post Corey's Corey's. This is Ye- after they were big stars. Yes. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. Long yeah. after. Oh, for long after. Right. Because right. that was like the eighties, right? That's right. That was yeah, the eighties, yeah. and and we're talking about like a two and a half million dollar horror movie. Right. You know, you 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 need to have uh, come down a couple of notches in order to sign up for one of those movies. Got right? it. So, yes. Like, yes. Yes. Um, so, I uh, I got my study cam uh, later that week. A three A or no a pro. About a pro, pro. Yeah, you got a pro, yeah, okay. which I which I wound up selling and, and going with some other rigs later in my career, but my oh. first rig was a pro. Yeah, um, and I did the best that I could over a week of time to put weights on the steady cam and walk around my apartment with weights. I didn't even have a camera to put on. Um, and then a week before I was supposed to ship out, I was like, well, I'm also supposed to be the A camera operator on this, and I should probably learn something about cameras. Oh my god. So I went. I remember I went. You to, don't even know how to flip the switch. You don't even know how to turn yeah, over. Not really. No, no. <gasps> so I Although went, you've seen it all. And I stuff. had, but I've never really done that. Right. right? Um, I had taken, I think, a photography course in college as an elective. So, like, <laughs> yeah. I knew bare minimum basics. Of I mean, did you call Andrew and, and be like, no, 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 no. In fact, to this day, I don't even know if Andrew really knows this full story. I know <sighs> what I mean. Because I have a feeling he probably got a call. Uh, and dismissed it, and maybe just threw out a couple of names, and and I he had had my name in the you know in the back of his head because you know I'd just done a movie you know with him whatever I I don't know um, right but uh, so I went to Panavision Woodland Hills, <clears throat> and I I remember that I I went I went to the prep tech counter and I said hi my name is Jeff um, I I'm I'm gonna go be an operator on a on a movie in a couple of days and I was wondering if I could get a chance to work with like like one of your like cameras and stuff <laughs> the guy looks at me like i'm crazy and he goes wait what 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 movie what are you what are you working on and then i look over his shoulder and i see on the dry erase board they're prepping the name of the movie yeah they're prepping the movie there right it's a panavision movie <laughs> i like i had no idea about any of this stuff so i said i pointed my fingers at that one that one that's the one fever lake um so uh, this is like something out of a movie. Yeah, it's 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 weird. So I, you know, so I basically spent like a day trying to learn as much as I could about a gearhead and different lenses, and you know, what I mean, again, I was going to be the A camera operator. Were they and getting you a fluid head at least? Y- yeah, I think so. Okay. But I, the the thing I wasn't going to do was like I didn't want to like l- let it be known that I knew nothing. So I felt like okay, the you know the 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 tool of choice for a for, right. a, for a good operator is you know is a fluid a gearhead I should I should learn that right and right. so I was playing with that as much as possible and figuring out how to slap a mag yeah on but the, the back assistants of are going 
this guy doesn't know what the hell's going no, on. No, well, and that's the thing. Like, I didn't even, I was smart enough. I said, like, well, I don't want to bother them. If you could just point me to, like, another area. Where oh, so you I went could, to your own little bay. And yeah, like, that's right. And you yeah. build it on the rig and stuff? No. Oh, no, 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 no. I didn't build the camera until I actually got to, to, to the <laughs> Why? Uh, I, I just uh, never thought that I could do that. Like, I'd never gone to a, a prep, prep house, uh, right. house before. I'd never gone to a camera house before. I didn't, you didn't know see you anybody else in there doing it, so you did too, right? No, exactly, right? Yeah. So, anyway, super <laughs> long story short, you know, I, I go in and, uh, and, and what I didn't, what I, you know, to add insult to injury, I start this, this movie and nobody really had told the DP that they were getting a green operator. So, um, so, he, so he's talking to me like I know what the fuck I'm talking about and doing. And so every morning I woke up with like the worst stomach ache, just thinking like, okay, well, will will today be the day that I get fired? Was it a lot of Steadicam? Uh, decent amount. Okay. You know what I mean? And, um, and how'd you feel doing it? Okay. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I felt like, um, it was obviously it, it was a be i think this for, it was weird because i believe it was a i don't understand why this was the case because i think it was a panavision job but i was a bl4 that i had to fly which obviously isn't the, isn't the panavision camera so i don't remember maybe their their like steady their did steady they, cam body was like a, did panavision mod bls at the time I to take their lenses so. i don't i don't honestly don't know yeah. i mean it was such a whirlwind of craziness for me that i the last thing i would do is check to see like you know what the configuration of i don't even know what lenses they were all i know <laughs> is it's fucking heavy that's all i know um and <laughs> the bl4 is a pig yeah no for sure Ugh. um and you know i had to learn on the sly i had to learn stuff right right and without letting anybody know that i didn't know stuff so it'd be crazy right the, D- the dp would like come up to me when we were setting up a shot and he'd be like yeah i think uh i think we'll probably have to short side this one i'd be like yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so like uh what do you think like this much and i would just pan the camera and like no no maybe uh, you know try it's like okay so short siding means blah, blah, blah. you know like i had to like learn right without... you're taking notes mentally yeah the whole yeah time. and i had to ask oh questions God. without without making it seem like i didn't know the answers to stuff so it was really stressful it's like double work man for sure did, did, did you looking back do you think do you think people were like this guy's green as a hills or do you I, think you they, covered it up pretty well? Well, I covered it up enough that I wound up working, doing three more movies with that with, oh. with that, that year. And wow. I paid off my loan, not in three years, but in nine months. Get out of here. <laughs> exactly. Good so, for you, So, I, so I, it, it worked okay, I guess, you know. And um, this guy's like, you got anything else to invest in? <laughs> exactly. He's <laughs> like, well, I've got this diamond mine. I don't know. Right. It's not really producing a lot of diamonds, but I got a lot of faith in it. I don't know. <laughs> um, yes. Wow. So that was sort of my bumpy start. And I got really lucky because, you know, the ways that you can get fucked, if you don't know what you're doing technically, as you well know, if you're not spending, if you're spending more than 10% of your brain trying to work out the the technical elements of what you're doing, you're screwed. Because what you really need to do is spend... 50% 50% of your brain on the uh, you know the 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 creative stuff yeah. when you're operating a camera and the other 50% you have to watch out for stuff that could screw you up. Right. Microphones, C stands, whatever, lights uh you know figuring out the the mechanics of of uh of operating inside of a framework where 
you can't just pan wherever you want because because there are other departments that have a job to do and mm-hmm. they are painting you know you in essentially right yeah. i mean we don't think about how much energy it takes especially back then where if you see a mark on the ground or if you see a boom come in and of course the video taps aren't good enough that you're the you, only you're one, the one who it. only sees it yeah. and by the way you don't have ILM that's doing touch-up work at the end to erase this boom or that mark, right? Right. I mean, that's, again, like I say, had I known then what I know now, I would never have said yes to that right. job because I could have burned every bridge. I could have burned future bridges that I didn't even know I had <laughs> right. just with that, with that one experience. Yeah. You know. But you made it work. I did, I did, and and and, and I you made and a I, classic, and, and, I, and I hit classic exactly. Fever Lake, man, uh, and I loved it. I mean, I loved, I loved the job. I really did, and I, 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 I immediately got a sense for what the potential of operating could be. I wouldn't call myself. I, I think the first five or six years, I wound up doing more. I, I, I stepped away from the A camera as as I was doing jobs that were bigger budget jobs. I didn't do a camera on those. I tended to do more B camera, steady cam on those yeah. because um, there it made more sense to me. And then you can M- learn from the on, a exactly. Too. That's right. And right. so the, more was on the line for me. I think back then initially because I didn't know what I didn't know, um, and I guess you can't lose something that you don't have to begin right. with. So I had less to lose because yeah. I had nothing to nothing to lose. Right. <laughs> I didn't have anything. Except your naivete. Yeah, that's right. And and a loan that I had to a prof- college professor, essentially. Right. You know Which is I mean? ridiculous, yeah. that yeah. whole thing. Man, what a crazy story. Yeah, so that's, weird. So we, we're, let's take a break. We're, yes. we're almost an hour in. Oh, God. Okay. So we'll take a break <laughs> and then we'll get back. Remember it like... 10 minutes in, I asked you about American Beauty. Yes, that's right. Okay, we'll talk about it. <laughs> got it. <laughs> yes. I'm so glad we got to that. So that's a crazy story. No, as a matter of fact, I think it's a really important story yeah. for film students and mm-hmm. for people breaking into the business or mm-hmm. trying to break in mm-hmm. that, like, go your own way. For sure. Find your own thing because just because so-and-so did it this way doesn't yeah. mean you can't do it that that's way. That's right, absolutely. And, right. you know, or whatever. People get in the craziest ways. They do. And, and um, anyway, um, yeah, we'll take a break. Great. We'll be right back. Cool. We're back. Fantastic. We're back. <laughs> um, where were we? Oh, God, I don't even know. American Beauty. Oh, yes. You, you said you had a question about that. <laughs> well, so... Okay, so I'm a little confused on the timeline. Yes. And maybe it doesn't matter that much, yep. but... Um, you you did twenty four oh, frame oh, yeah. playback. This was the original question that you asked. Oh yeah, so let me go back. Let me go back to that. So basically, when I decided to buy a Steadicam, okay, I wasn't in the camera local initially, right? I was I got in the unit in the sound local. Sure, yeah. So I needed to figure out a way to continue to make. I I had to assume that I wasn't going to be making enough money to live starting as an operator right so i had to figure out what i could do where i could day play doing union work under the sound local and a friend of mine said hey you know what you should think about is 24 frame video playback and that made sense because it was in the local camera too and and you're talking the camera and you're dealing with um 
you know, you're, Images. You're, and you're dealing with day playing, right? You're basically on. I mean, that's you know, I I did Ocean's Eleven, but I was the playback, the 24 frame playback guy on Ocean's Eleven, right? Um, and wound up shooting all of the like I had for a while this niche where I was becoming known as a 24 frame playback operator who was also an, a camera operator. So on movies that were that were heavily um, dependent on video elements mm-hmm. that needed to be shot and incorporated into 24 frame I sort of became the um the person to call okay I was uh, was that uh, the case on Ocean's 11 was there a lot was, of video stuff yes if you think about it half that or a third of that movie at the end is all being told through the eye in the sky all these video monitors right, right? so half that heist is shown on monitors right, right? and I forgot about that because the whole thing Andy Garcia there they, he gets fo- he gets fooled thinking that something is happening on video when it's actually not happening and all that sort of stuff. So right. so a huge element of that movie was was dealing with getting elements and turning them into 24 frame playback material. I was also around that time I started I I I started to become an editor as well. So I bought an Avid and I was a a, a co um uh, owner of a of a twenty four frame play company uh, playback company called twenty uh, e equals mc squared, um, which I which I became a part owner in once the 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 main the original owner Bob Morgan Roth kind of take took took a uh, you know took a leave from and kind of walked away from a little bit. Oh, okay. Um, but so so for me, it was kind of perfect in that I would get a a contract. For from from a film that would say look we have elements that need to be shot they need to be edited whether they're turned into news you know segments with chirons or graphics or something like that and then we need somebody to come and come out and play them back i had all three of those skill sets right so i was able to shoot right i was able to edit and i was able to go and they allowed you to edit yes you don't need if i i wouldn't i would have i would have had I would have probably gotten dinged if I was editing material that started on film, but it wasn't. I was coming out on, on with beta cams, shooting the footage, right? right? And um, like that's what I did with American Beauty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would shoot. Was that all beta cam? It was mostly beta cam. Yeah, some digi, some some normal beta cam. Right. Um, and then I would, you know, process it in whatever way I wanted it to, as far as the the on the post side of things. Sure. Um, and then come out and 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 play that stuff back. So so to me, it was sort of a stopgap while I was getting sort into of my sea legs union, into the right. camera union. And and ironically, as you know, I told you the story of how how I got into or my first couple of jobs. So I wound up having plenty of steady cam work, but as it turned out, I really wound up liking that part because I really liked editing as well so what I wound up doing is there are a couple of uh, camera jobs that I turned down because I would do you know I did I did a bunch of uh, of of because um, you liked it and it was more money and well, it wasn't even it was more money it, mm-hmm. it wasn't really but like I did a bunch of Soderbergh stuff I did the limey mm-hmm. I did uh, Ocean's Eleven I did traffic um, right I, I, I did, saw that on your yeah, you know traffic. And, and some of them actually I, I have taken Anchorman off Anchorman, that's right. I'm actually in Anchorman. Um, Are you really? Yes. Well, Anchorman, you know, we put cameras, real cameras, into 
um, the pedestal cameras. Right. There were actual film cameras as well, right? right. So because a lot of the stuff we were going to use the film footage uh, that was going to be telecined and and you know used as video footage, and right. some of it was going to be actually as coverage. Um, and at, by that point, of course, I was you know a local 600 operator as uh. well, and so I was hired essentially to be the on camera. Um, the operator. center camera operator, oh. you know, and there's a, there's a, there's a, there's I a, did that on a movie a couple of years ago for, yeah, it's fun. My right? assistant friend had a, yeah, yeah. And I know, remember, I think, uh, you know, there's a shot of me, uh, after when Will Ferrell, uh, reads the teleprompter and he says, go fuck yourself, San Diego. Right. And there's a couple of shots of like some people just like looking out from cameras and like, what the hell, you know, I'm one of those oh, guys. One of those yeah, people? exactly. Oh, that's that kind funny. of stuff. Um, but, uh, anyway, point is that, 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 that was to me, um, a really fun way for me to also, uh, enhance, my abilities as a storyteller and it you know what i what i often did during those years it was about a 10-year period where i would uh go on set either to do camera work steady cam work b camera work or video shooting work after work then i would go to equals mc squared and and go edit for four hours and then come in the next day you know um it was uh it was pretty crazy yeah. uh, i remember how old were you then mid 20s yeah mid 20s i remember there was a four month period or five month period four month period where i was doing six feet under during the week as the at that point the b was i a yet i think it was the b steady operator five days a week I would fly every weekend to Vegas to do Ocean's Eleven. And one of those weekends, I asked Soderbergh whether I could have one Saturday off so that I could shoot and direct a short film. Get out of here. And that was the short film that kind of launched some stuff for me. It won Sundance. I won it awarded Sundance and about 25 other film festivals. I got my agent. It got me. I wrote wow. a couple of scripts that I sold to studios after that. Did you really? You yeah. sold scripts to studios? Yeah, I, I sold that. three scripts to studios. Really? Actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jeez, man. Uh, so, 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 so it was that five-month period. You're a workaholic, aren't you? I, I kind of am, but I think I you know it, it, I'm a workaholic out of fear, right? Because, and I think a lot of us are like that. But I really do truly believe that like either tomorrow or the next day, somebody's gonna get on the, gonna get on the phone to somebody else and say, you know that guy Jeff Haley, he's, he's a hack. He doesn't know what he's doing. Pass it on. Click, right? And and so I feel like that's gonna happen any moment. And so I've somehow pulled. It's already the wool happened. Over it just hasn't gotten around yet. Exactly. That's why that's, I have you in. Exactly. Right. <laughs> I totally believe that. Absolutely. So I feel like while that is, while I'm just sort of sneaking in under, you know, under the wire, I'm going to continue to do that until, uh, you know, <sighs> until, until it happens. It's funny. You just did like the biggest movie in the world, and you're worried that somebody's going to find out or well, or call you a name yeah, or ruin no, your career. Sure. For sure. <laughs> it's hilarious. Anyway, I, th- I I keep. Um, I keep wandering away from you being able to ask the question about America. You sure do. Yeah. You so, sure do. So go you're, ahead. I you're, promise you're I'm going to shut up evasive. now and you well, can ask the question. Well, we almost got there anyway. Yeah. I mean, you've already answered the question okay. for me because all the stuff you, you said, but one of a really fantastic shot in that movie is that bag. The bag. I'm sure yeah. you've heard it a hundred yes. times yeah. or probably more, but that... That was the tone of the movie. 
Yeah, it was definitely sort of like a light motif. It was definitely a theme yeah. that, that that kind of encapsulated some of the emotional sort of center center grounding of the movie. Yeah. Right. And and that shot, I love that movie mm-hmm. a lot. Love it, love it. Mm-hmm. For a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, the cast, I mean, that's the first time I really became aware of Chris Cooper. Yes, that's right. Who was unbelievable in that movie. I mean, sure was. so crazy. That's right. Yeah. But and Alison Janney. I mean, who thinks? Right? <sighs> Alice and Janney. Right? She, had, oh like, she, she like said nothing in that movie. She didn't have a single line, I don't think, in that movie. And she she was, did. No, she said, okay, honey, yeah, yeah, or something. Exactly, right. That's right. exactly. That's Not right. like a line line. Right. Like, right, right. yeah. Um, but that anyway, did, so my question now has become, because my original question was, did you do that shot? Which yes. I know you did. Yeah. Um, the second question is, was that planned? Mm-hmm. Okay. Third question, how did you do that? fans yeah I, here's the thing like i tell this story sometimes at film schools and 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 uh oh yeah it, this is probably a tr- well-tread ground here sorry well it well it's well-tread but it's also quite long the story okay and i don't know whether it makes sense given the fact that we're already an hour plus into this to actually get into it so i can give you a i can give you a really quick cliff sure story. because it's because actually notes. it's a really interesting story i as bet well. it is and 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 it it um i think it speaks to the the haphazard nature of how of how things work in the film industry mm-hmm. and how people stumble into success right. um sometimes willingly or unwillingly or, or or you know by design or not um but no i mean to answer your question as briefly as possible it was a a the bag shot was something that was very well depicted in the script um, okay alan ball had written something that was to a degree um it was very daunting. I remember, you know, sitting across the table from Sam Mendes, the director, uh, and, uh, you know, talking as I had, been, again, been contracted to shoot all of the video elements and then, you know, turn them into playback material and then come on set and play them back. Mm-hmm. Um, there was another shot, which, again, is a story that I can't really go into too much because this is, you know, recorded in perpetuity having to do with the the shot that i did of of uh, thora birch when she takes her shirt off oh right of course right? she was 16 at the time i believe so we needed special dispensation from the justice department did you to really? find out whether that was gonna and we didn't even know until about an hour before we were gonna do that shot whether we were even allowed to do it um you know so there's i a, forgot there's a, about there's that a shot crazy story where he's watching her from he's across watching the street. her right with his video camera and so of she course, knows it yeah yes yeah and 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 of course you know, we we shot that that scene um, at the Warner uh, uh, Ranch, right, yeah. which is right across the street from where I had my first apartment, with right below the Saved by the Bell guys, um, <laughs> with that pool in the middle, with the pool in the middle, exactly. Uh, no, but so so um, you know that Warner Ranch is basically a bunch of like shells of houses, right? It's meant to be. It's like it's like everywhere'sville, right? You know, with a bunch of and so we shot. That whole neighborhood was essentially this, the the American. Was it really? Oh, so yes. you spent a lot of time there. A decent amount. I okay. mean, obviously, all the interiors the, were other, were right, other the places. Right, But that was sort of the main. I mean, it was a low budget movie. I almost when, didn't take that movie because you know I had one rule. Um, all for the last like, for the first twenty years or less, first fifteen years of my career, I was like, I will say yes to every job. I will work wherever and whenever I am asked to. 
but I will not work over Christmas. I'm going to go home and spend time with my family and my friends over Christmas. Okay. Uh, that was a rule that I really stuck stuck uh, close to. Um, and American Beauty was shooting over the Christmas holiday because if you remember, there's a there's a, a number of scenes that take place in the high school. So we had to we had to shoot while the high school students were on break. Uh, so I had to decide whether or not I was going to do that movie. So you shot up to the like the 24th or something. Yeah, during the whole break, right? So they're usually off, right. I think, from like, I'd say the 20th to like the 4th or 5th of January or something like that. And, um, uh, you know, and I read this script and I'm thinking like, this is the weirdest fucking thing. I don't know whether this is, you know, this is a low budget movie. First time director. How low budget was it? I mean, it's a studio movie. It's a DreamWorks yeah. movie. But I want to say, I'm guessing, and I could be wrong here, but I, I can't, it can't have been more than $20 million. Or right. Like I that, would think right? you know, somewhere between 10 For and a studio 20. movie, it was like Small. a redheaded stepchild for sure. Okay. With, you know, again, Kevin they're Spacey little, and Ed Benning, okay. But then, you know, Wes Bentley, nobody had heard of him. And Spacey you know? wasn't as big then no, either. No, of course not, right? I don't and, think, I think that was pre uh, Usual Suspects? I can't remember. Maybe it was post. I can't remember. Maybe it was post. Um, but uh, I think post. Probably post. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I I almost didn't do that movie because I thought, okay, I, 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 I'm going to break my cardinal rule of, of, of not working, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, over the holidays. But I something said, you know, maybe I should do this. Um, and again, it wasn't even it wasn't even a film camera job. It was I was hired I again to do yeah. these. So I, it's basically, I sat down. But, the, but that movie in particular had tons of video elements. A lot of them, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And as a character in the movie, that's right. Exactly. So exactly. I mean, even more important than most movies. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so the, the I so mean, you're not just mounting a camera and no, shooting. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're doing you're, all you're, this you're, handheld, and you're doing a lot of handheld, and you are essentially, yeah, you're sort of the per, the, the POV of sort of the main character of the right. movie. Right. Yeah. Um. And and the Thora Birch story again, which I won't tell, but I'll basically say a really weird, crazy thing happened during that scene when we found out that that we could do the shot and she could take her shirt off. You know, they basically cleared the entire city block, like, oh, you know, of all people. Right. Because that was one of the, I think, the the prerequisites having to do with, like, the, the FBI only saying, can, like, right. yeah, can only... So, Even you know, though you're recording it on video for perpetu- in perpetuity. I know, right? Putting That's it weird. on a big screen. I don't but, know uh, why okay. exactly. Yeah. Um, but basically, so it was her across the, you know... To, uh, in, yeah, you're in across the, the street. Yeah. yeah, and then it was me or in next, the door, next door, next door, right. yeah. yeah, me in the center holding the camera. On my right side was uh, Sam Mendes, and on the left was Thora's mom. Um, so it was a, one of the weirdest, most awkward moments of my professional career. And again, I'm not going to get into what happened. Uh, okay. I mean, it wasn't super creepy. It was just right. really strange Uncomfortable. and kind of funny for me oh, uh, funny. based okay. on what Thora's mom said and all that sort of stuff. So anyway, so... But obviously she gave permission for this. And absolutely. Thora was oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Uh, imagine the story that, 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 that you would probably, after hearing it, say... Man, fucking stage moms. Oh, okay, got it. <laughs> that, that's sort right. of like the response to All that right. story. <laughs> but that's such a big shot in the movie too. It's yes. a really big. It's a really big thing. And, yeah. And um, yeah. um, that's almost like the moment they. Well, I'm trying to remember. It's been a few years since I've seen the movie. It's sort of, it's the, kind moment of the moment that, that they fall in love. That right? she. That she basically yes allows allow. It's her signal to him that she likes him. Essentially. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, which is an amazing signal. Oh, it's pre. 
it's pre them like running off together kind of thing. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's like, obviously, it's like, it's like a half. It's, it's like early halfway the through the movie or something. Right, like that. she's calling him creepy the whole time that's until right. this happens. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. It's like her one eighty. Yeah, with yeah. him. Right. Um, and I can't remember. It may even be. I think it's before. No, it's right. Maybe right after the bag shot moment. Right when he because he says, "Do you want to see the most beautiful thing I ever filmed?" And then cut to the bag shot. Right, right. we're kind of watching it. Um, so I, I had sat down with the director at the beginning of the film, talking about what the different elements were going to be. This right? is the quick version of the bag shot, right? Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> and and uh, so the bag shot was one of those moments, and um, yeah, it wound up being essentially it was me and two two of my college buddies that I roped into um, uh, into basically being uh, across from each other with 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 gasoline powered leaf blowers that I had rented oh, leaf from, blowers okay yeah from from um, Home Depot I think uh, on a Saturday with a bag that I had forgotten about a bag to begin with and so I like rooted around the back of my car and found like a Chinese takeout bag that I you know at the last second I was like oh look, I found my star kind of thing um, where'd you shoot it uh, downtown LA okay and um, and essentially uh, you know the story involves me almost getting arrested for unlawful uh, for shooting some someplace without a permit because the police arrived um, Anyway, it's a pretty hilarious story, okay. uh, but it, it's unfortunately it takes a while to set up. That's the, okay. You know, yeah, yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But so yes, and and to a degree, go see Jeff at a film school, and you'll hear <laughs> exactly. that story. Exactly, that's right. But uh, it was yeah, it was a it was a it was a it was a really cool experience, and that's how I became um, friends with Alan Ball, and and from you know Alan Ball is the one then then that that got me to be involved along with Alan Queso. Um, Six feet on under. Six feet under. Right. And honestly, I can say this. Six feet under is where I learned how to be a camera operator and how to tell stories visually. That is literally my film school. Right. Everything before Six Feet Under was me wandering around in the dark <laughs> and trying to figure things out right. haphazardly. And, and the five years of Six Feet Under, I did every single episode with the exception of the pilot. I didn't do the pilot, but I did everything from the second episode all the way through the last episode um, was me learning almost everything that I know to this day and that I bring to my job every day. Cool. So, so that's w- an, another reason why TV, I... TV, you learn I, fast, man. You do. But, <laughs> but, but, you know, Six Feet Under was one of those weird situations where, you know, we had, I think, 10 or 11 day episodes. Yeah. We shot Six Feet Under like a movie. Right. Right. So I had five years of like... You know, we we had three four page days. They were incredibly written episodes. It was fantastically yeah. acted. Um, Great uh, cast. Know. Yeah, and and a lot of the the directors that we had on that TV show were first time directors. That you know they they basically Alan Ball and Alan Poole, who were the two producers of the of the TV show, um, looked for award winners at. Sundance and at other fringe, really? Uh, yeah, and basically said, "Hey, I people want, who went out I and did it on guy. their own." Yeah, like the guy that you know did Lie or the guy that did you know all these different, different indie. Uh, yeah, indie, and said, "Okay, direct an episode of this of cool. this of this show." And that's good for so many reasons yeah. for them. And those are all now the huge stable 
like HBO stable directors, are the they ones really? that are doing all you know that wound up doing wow. you know all the big shows from The Sopranos to Game of Thrones wow, to really? all that sort of stuff. They they are like big cool. time directors now, but they were first timers on Six Feet Under. You know, it's very that's awesome. Yeah, that's really neat. Um, excuse me. Um, you mentioned you did every episode. I love that. It's one of those shows that actually made people happy the way it ended. Yeah, so, it was so a great many shows, final episode. Right. Yeah. So many shows, people are like, oh, they didn't clear all this up. Right. Blah, blah, blah. Or like Lost, where people seem to like jump out of windows because of that episode. Well, that's the <laughs> specific one I'm talking about. <laughs> and, and Seinfeld, which I'm a giant Seinfeld right. fan, and everybody says they hate. I personally. Actually, I like that episode. I okay. think it was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love, and, and a lot of people don't know this. Mm-hmm. Um, the very first conversation in Seinfeld mm-hmm. is about the second button on a shirt. Oh, I didn't know that. He's like playing with the button. He's like, see, the second button makes the shirt. That button's too high, you know? <laughs> and they're having this conversation right. about it. Yeah. The very last conversation they have in the final episode is about the second button. Oh, sure. really? Oh, I didn't know that. And it's he amazing. says something like, have we had this conversation before? And he's like, I don't know. And then it's over. Wow. And I thought, that's perfect. Yeah. yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 ha- and you... You reintroduced all the characters throughout the years right, exactly. to talk shit about them, yeah. and then they they still end up talking about the the button yeah. on the shirt, and they're going to do a year in jail or whatever. I thought it was great. Yeah, I th- anyway, I, I could go on about Seinfeld, yeah. <laughs> but um, no, but but that that episode and what was the young lady? The she's such a good actress who played the younger daughter, Lauren. Lauren. Yeah, Lauren. Lauren. Uh, oh God, what's her Lauren's last name now? I can't remember. Um, I I just I don't remember. I yeah. I remember connecting with her. Yes. Yeah. so much yeah. and like you know and when you connect yeah. with somebody yeah, I yeah. had a crush on no, her no for sure exactly. so and, and, well, she's and, just and her great. mom Frances Conroy yes. was wonderful and fantastic yes. and, and for me one of the sort of great joys of like now you know this is my what 24th year as a camera operator or something like that is that you know I just finished Joker again and she's she plays Joaquin Phoenix's mother Oh no way! Really? Yeah. So we had this great reunion because I hadn't worked with her since Six Feet Under. So I think 2004, 2005 was the last time I worked. She's so brilliant in it. Fantastic. And Richard, yes, dad, exactly the dad. Richard, uh, well, the dead guy. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Who dies in the very first episode? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then Peter Krause, and then of course Michael Hall. Yes. Yeah. And then there, then there are a bunch. And Freddie Rodriguez. Exactly. Yeah. It was a, a, it was a great experience, and a family, and. And nurturing, and you know, Alan Queso again. I mean, one of these guys that that you know, again, he taught me more about how to block a scene mm. than anybody in the history of my career. That's uh, great. I've learned more from Was, him, especially since you're working with all these first-time directors yeah. who've done indie stuff. Yeah, they probably don't quite know how this all works. No, exactly. That's so, right. which is great. So yeah. he can use his expertise to yeah. help them. And that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's so cool. And then later, you can use your expertise. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's neat. That's really great. Okay. We have to talk about Joker. Yes. Because I heard Joaquin Phoenix was doing it. Yeah. Is there a trailer out, by the way, for is the it, movie? For the Joker? It, you mean... Is there a trailer for the for Joker? Well, yeah, there's the teaser trailer. I haven't seen it. That's you why haven't. I'm asking. No, 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 no. Well, 40 million people have seen it. Oh, shit. Okay. So, <laughs> so of all the people... Yes. Look, uh, God, what's his name who played the Joker previously? A Keith, Le- Keith, yeah, Keith Ledger, Ledger. Uh-huh. who was so brilliant, mm-hmm. and I will always compare everyone to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like uh, it's not him, but if you're gonna have somebody do it, Joaquin Phoenix is a pretty good choice, I think. Um, I don't know. You've seen him do it. Okay, now, so. here's what we should do. 
We should we should stop recording. You should right now watch the trailer. Really? And we should continue this. Okay, after let's you watch do that. It. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's do that. We'll be we'll be right back. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> We're recording. <laughs> I just watched that trailer. <laughs> well, Jeff patiently sat here and watched me watch. Um, wow! I think I said that's one of the best trailers yeah, I've ever seen. It's very good. It's a very good trailer. Um, and it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it looks right up my alley. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really cool. And I read the thing. It says X stand up becomes the Joker kind of thing or whatever. Sort of. It seems uh, kind of uh, wrong. I, I mean, it, it's not exactly that. But, I, you know, again, I mean, we could start, we could we could literally talk. I mean, there's, there's probably, you know. Look, start six, at page one. Yeah, right. Finish on page 140 there, or wherever There are like seven or eight movies in, in my career that I could spend four hours talking about right in different ways this is one of them um uh, what are the other three? Oh gosh i mean any movie i've done with christian bale so american hustle american the hustle fighter say, yeah. you know um steve jobs uh yeah. was, you know again some movies that people liked or watched and some people you know some that they didn't right um and for that matter my experience on avengers as well just just fundamentally just because of my role in it which was very different from any a camera operator that I've ever heard of. <laughs> it was. Oh yeah, very much so. Okay, wait. We'll get. Yeah, we'll get back yeah, to that. Yeah. We'll get back to that. But um, the Joker. So the Joker. It, so or Joker. Yeah, Joker. Joker. Exactly. Right? Yeah. That's right. Okay. Uh, it looks really cool. And Joaquin is a genius. I mean, he is in her. Yes. In so many movies. That's right. In her. Most I really people. Like it's it's funny, though. People who are not cinephiles, who are not like completely. Uh, you know, into all sorts of fringe movies. Mostly know him from Gladiator, which, of course, he's quite good in. Right? He plays the he plays the emperor in Gladiator. Right. Um, but oh, yeah. it's thumbs a small. Down, right? It's a small. Exactly. Right. That's the thumbs up. Small. I forgot he was even in that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's what people mostly know about him. Right. Really. Yeah. People haven't seen. The, I mean, Middle America hasn't seen the master. Right. The Middle America hasn't seen her. Not necessarily. Right. Right. I guess. Um, uh, you know, there are a bunch of a bunch of, of films that he's done that, that people haven't seen. Um, God, the master, Ugh. right? Exactly. I need to watch it. It, it since the minute the master ended. Yeah, I went and saw it with Colin Hudson and his girlfriend. Was there somebody else? There might have only been the three of us, mm-hmm. Colin and Amy and I. And we saw it in '65, the night it came out, because I'm a giant PT Anderson mm-hmm. fan. Mm-hmm. And as soon as it ended, I said. I'm not sure if I liked it or not. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have to watch it again. Mm-hmm. And I haven't watched it since. Oh, that's interesting. Because it's kind of scary mm-hmm. to watch that movie again. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. No, you know true. what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. But anyway, sorry. I got off but, on a... But, you're, but I mean, that's a valid point because it, it, it there are elements to Joaquin in that movie that are somewhat mirrored in, in this film as well. The, I can see that the, just by watching the trailer, yeah. I'm so glad that the trailer is as universally loved as it seems to be. I mean, it's really interesting. I remember Larry, the DP, he sent me a link to it the morning that it dropped, which I think was two weeks ago. Okay. And he said, hey, we did some some pretty good work here. And I remember, like, by the end of that day, I think it was up to, like, 6 million views or something like that. Now, now wow. if you click on it, it's like it's 45 million. And, and I didn't even look when I was people, just like People love that trailer. But the reason why I'm glad, um, aside from the fact that that you know, it, it represents a lot of hard work on everybody's part, but my, my part as well. But also because I was very nervous about it from the very beginning, 
Todd Phillips, who's really just known for the Hangover films, and and right. you know, again, I did War Dogs with him, and he, he Road did Trip. Due Date and Road Trip and so on. Yeah. Um, you know, he's not known for this type War of War Dogs was a step out for him. It was a bit. That's right. right? Yeah. yeah, it was. I mean, when I saw he directed this, yeah, because I was again looking at your credits. Yeah. yeah. I was I was like, whoa. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And you haven't heard me talk with Anthony Hardwick about Todd Phillips, but I'm pretty sure I met him when I saw Frat House at the Florida Film Festival. Oh, wow, I see. Got it. It was either him or the other guy, and I don't know. I don't remember. It's been so long ago. Right, right. And no, they weren't known at the time. Yes, And exactly. I, I spent a half hour talking Yeah, yeah. right after seeing Frat House. Yeah. Which was, have you ever seen it? Uh, no, I never did see Frat House. No, I, I'm exactly. sure Todd has a copy. You should ask him. It's really good. <laughs> exactly. But Anthony shot it. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but he has this... Frat House is a lot darker than most of his no, movies. No, for sure. It's a, it's a documentary, obviously, but it's different. Uh, yeah, Todd, Todd was was meant to direct Joker. As far as his really? personality is concerned, he does, to me, he's not meant to direct Hangover. Like, right. I, you know, knowing him now for as many movies as I as I do, he, he you know, he's a, he's a dark, nuanced, interesting, uh, tortured soul in his own way. Um, he he's as some people would say he's an acquired taste on set. Okay. Once, once, once he's familiar with you and likes you, then he will, he will do anything to work with you, and and he's one of the more loyal people that I've ever encountered. Um, but at the same time, he also makes fun of himself, uh, at uh how much of a, a misanthrope he seems to be. He'll okay. he'll literally like, you know you know come up next to me on some set and he'll see some like day player you know grip that he doesn't recognize and he'll like lean over to me and be like who's this fucking guy <laughs> right and, and he says it does he know, say it to them though no he says it to me does he fuck with people no. Okay. And he says it to me or to other people that are to in make his you inner laugh because you get his fence exactly humor. because right. because he's basically saying like, look at me, I'm overreacting about a face that I don't recognize. How ridiculous am I for saying that? Right. You know what I mean? Like he's he's a really really interesting and a really okay. awesome guy. And and so so but what I was worried about with Joker, after having read the script, was that you know I had just come off of three Marvel movies, right? Uh-huh. And now you're going to do another comic book. Well, no, my concern was the following was, okay, this is not a comic book movie. Right. This is, this is the greatest example of a bait and switch in cinematic history that you'll ever see. If people expect to more see, than the other Batman movies, the, yes. the, more than the, 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 the Christopher Nolan ones for sure. Oh, way more because, okay. because the Christopher Nolan movies, yes, That's they true. were they maybe the dark car and all that stuff, but it was still the story. It was still, right. there were still basically people in, in costumes right. fighting each other right. with cool tech and, you know, and, and they were still basically fun, slightly dark action packed, right. you know, comic. Book I movies. get it. You've convinced me. This <laughs> is taxi driver this is literally taxi driver this is, is falling down this is the master i was gonna say shit i didn't want to talk during the trailer because i was enjoying it but yeah. my it occurred to me this is like falling down the joker yeah, yeah. 
is exactly I, I reference like falling down all the time okay oh, i love that movie yeah it's a great movie I, and i haven't yeah. seen it in years but yeah. i i kind of always joke like be yeah. careful i'm about to have my falling yeah, exactly. down exactly that's right <laughs> but, but but you know and 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 so this movie like i again i i'm not gonna i don't want to no no I'll spoil anything for anybody no. but um you know i i will spoil one thing and basically say like you're not gonna see a whole lot more action than what's in the trailer. Than what's in the trailer. Uh, I love that about it. There is no Batman. I mean, obviously, people at this point know that 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 kid who who he was. Yes, he, that's Bruce Wayne. Right. And it's not a spoiler because people, of course, went went to IMDb to see the picture of that kid, and it says playing the part of Bruce Wayne. Right. <laughs> right. right. But so, you know, he he has an encounter Makes sense, with Bruce the Wayne with the yeah. Thing, that's right. right. He has yeah, an encounter yeah. with Bruce Wayne for five minutes in the movie, and that's it. Right. Right. So this right. is this is what my concern was for Todd. And and this is a conversation I had with him as well because I don't have a problem voicing my and this is a bigger actually a bigger conversation I do want to have with the time that we have remaining. I don't we have, have as a problem. much time as we want, by the way. <laughs> okay, good. Um I don't have a problem voicing my concerns on a script level, on a structural level, on a thematic level with directors, even though I'm the camera operator. Yeah. Uh if I'm on a job where I'm um I'm not expected to have those kind of conversations with the filmmaker, then I'm then I shouldn't be on that job. You mm. know. Um and, and now I'm fortunately in a position where for at least for the time being, I'm able to pick and choose a little bit until what kind tomorrow. of jobs. I'm, it's not tomorrow when those phones ring. Um, I'm able to pick and choose kind of the ty- 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 types of projects I want right. to do. So I no longer pick projects based on um, the the budget or based on whether it shoots in L.A. or not or based on some of the things that that have to do with um, with my own sort of comfort level, I choose projects based on the people and whether or not I can be creatively involved in the filmmaking. Mm. And that's why I will never do a David Fincher movie. Mm. I, I love his movies. I will watch his movies gladly, uh, but I will never work on one because he tells you where to put the crosshair. And, and that's it. That's a discussion. So I, right. I don't want... To work with people like that, right. I would like to watch their movies, but I don't want to work on them. The people that call me are people that are interested in having me go through the they journey of input. creating, creating the, the you know the movie while we're shooting it. So with Todd, you know, I said, "Are you not worried that you're going to make a film that people are going to walk out of the theater saying, holy shit, I didn't sign on.'" to watch an art movie about a an emotionally unstable person who has a really bad couple of days like <laughs> you know that's basically this movie right and by the way I, I, it is a great film it is a really really good movie Have and you I seen can't it? wait no I haven't seen okay. I mean obviously aside from shooting yeah, yeah, it yeah. aside from seeing uh, I haven't seen I haven't seen an assembled cut I think I will be seeing an assembled cut when I get back from um, right before I go to Fast 9 uh, which I leave for in June so right beforehand I'll I'll, I'll, I'll see a cut what is that now like your fifth Fast and Furious um, five parts of six seven eight yeah, it'll be my I guess yeah I, my fourth and a half because I only did parts of, of six but oh. I did five seven and eight and then nine um, but uh, I said uh, aren't you worried that 
there's going to be a rebellion and that you're basically going to alienate all these comic book yeah, kids right because right. they they are paying money to see a comic book movie right and he said well you know what that's a chance i'm willing to take and this is something that i really respect was it a about big budget him. movie it was no it wasn't i mean on on a on a marvel dc I, I, I level get it, yeah. it was i think 75 or 80 million or something like that <laughs> right. so it's still, pretty small like yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but still yeah well, but more importantly, it's not even the budget. It's the fact that, you know, it's no secret that DC has, you know, in, in the arms race between Marvel sure. and DC, Marvel arguably over the last five or six years or maybe even ten years oh, yeah. has sort of been winning the war. Of course, bit. right? And yeah. DC has been trying to reinvent itself. Sure. And they had, um, you know, a, a bit of a hit with Aquaman and they had uh, a bit of a hit with Shazam, although I think it, it underperformed what they were expecting, but, you know, people liked that. Um, so what what is more important than the budget for DC is they needed this to work for the sake of having people say, okay, the tide is slowly turning for DC and right. they're not just, you know, the lap dog, you know, to, to They're Marvel. doing something different and interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, if you try to do the same, if you're, if you're going to try to out Marvel, Marvel. Yeah. You'll lose. Seems like you're going to lose. That's right. Yeah. And so, you know, and it seems to me, again, I'm not into these kinds of movies mm -hmm. really. I would probably go more DC just because I like that. Mm -hmm. the, I like the Christopher Nolan darker, trilogy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, because that's really interesting mm -hmm. filmmaking. Mm -hmm. Those aren't good comic book movies. Mm -hmm. Those are good movies. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, you know, so that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. People, people say, well, what kind of music do you like? Good music. Right. It's right. For sure. You know? Okay. Exactly. Yeah. I lean yeah. towards, you know, right. alternative right. punk rock or whatever. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, if you, like, when Eminem came out, mm -hmm. I was like, that's that's good music. Yeah, that's you right. know what I mean? Right. Like, exactly. you get my point. I do. So, anyway, but it seems to me like DC should concentrate on making good movies instead of trying to yes. make big movies. And doing one-offs. They're they're good. That what what they shouldn't be doing is trying to create the equivalent of an MCU, a universe, right? With all these cross pollinated characters and so on. Right. I don't think they're as good at that. Right. Um, what was but, the movie called? They tried to do that. Uh, 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 Suicide Squad. Yes. Right. And Which that was was panned. Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It was panned and and, and it made money though. I'm sure. I think it made enough. That's but, the funny you know, thing. These yeah, movies can be I terrible know, and I they know. make a billion dollars. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> what, what I would say is this: the experience from a technical, emotional, creative, and and logistical level on Joker is worth having having a more in-depth discussion on after it comes out. So if you want, I'll sure. come back and we have a discussion oh, about that. Oh, that would be great. Because it actually, and it, and it deals with, with, with Joaquin and the type of actor he is and the same way that I would, you know, have, there's certain actors that I hold at a certain level that I that that elevate my work and elevate my um, desire and that rejuvenate my my passion for, so for being you, in the film that they're so good that they you want to be better up. yeah right and and you know I would say that Michael Fassbender is one of those guys he is as well Christian Bale um, there there are five or six uh, you know that I've worked with that I would you know literally do every one of their movies if I could um, but 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 it doesn't come without a cost working with folks like that and then and, and and the reason again I can't read I don't want to really go into it too much because part of it has to do with with the process um, but at some point 
it'd be fun to have a conversation about that'd be that great because that'd uh, be super cool because when I think is it october october 4th is when right. it I'll, comes I'll, out I'll, yeah. I'll text you on october yes. 3rd i'll we'll be in play. london but i'll be back uh i'll Will be back you? in november from oh fast God. yeah it's the trap oh it's fast in london yeah yeah gotcha um <laughs> wow uh by the way yeah. about that Honestly, I'm not that interested in Fast and Furious movies, so <laughs> yeah. I don't. Really, but but you you were saying how you won't work with filmmakers you don't feel that your inputs. So obviously, yeah. it you feel your input is appreciated and accepted and loved on these Fast and Furious movies. Yes, I do, that's and that's partly that's partly also because uh, it's the same director of photography on all of them, Steve Winden. So so that so that the the directors have changed a little oh, it's bit. It's the same DP on everyone. everyone. I mean not 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 the not ones like that the I first didn't couple? do. Okay. The first couple it wasn't, but I think he started on three. I think he did Tokyo Drift. He didn't do four, but then he did five, six, seven, eight, and nine. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um I mean anybody who's worked with Steve Winden is gonna say the exact same thing, which is like again, needs a this, this is the DP that you want to end your career with. He's so collaborative and so fantastic cool. and such a great lighter and so such a wonderful gentle human and um you sounds know, like you sounds know. like just the guy i'm looking for no right. for sure <laughs> by the way what's his number <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah yeah no uh seamus is another guy that that i hear that about i haven't worked with seamus i haven't had the pleasure but you know seamus is you know those two i think are in a league that are this really special so but but for that matter you know justin lynn who is who, who did five and six as well, and I did Star Trek with them as well. Mm. Uh, the most recent Star Trek movie. Right. He's he's doing nine, and and yeah, there's a level of. Okay, um, so you know what you're getting in the director. Yeah, for sure, and it's a, it's fun. I mean, honestly, those are just fun because sure. you, you're just playing with big toys all the time. Right, blowing to, stuff you know, up exactly. And, right, and driving around in fast cars and stuff. Right, know. which there's a little bit of in the Marvel Marvel thing. There is for sure, um, for sure. So what was what's the big. What's the big thing with them that you said no way camera operator? Uh, it was it was a weird experience for me in that, um, and you started with Infinity War. I right? started with Infinity okay. Wars, yeah, right. and and I got the movie because uh, because another operator turned it down, um, Lukas Spielen. Oh, he turned down. Uh, I think he was shooting something or something. I don't know. Um, He's not a steady cam operator, but he was going to be the A camera operator, and then, then they were going to get, I think, a B steady operator or something like that. Anyway, he turned it down, and then through a number of folks he was who busy recommended, on something else yeah, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, through a number of folks, um, I was recommended um, for for the job, and uh, and it was the it's the most collaborative, in fact, the most creative experience of my entire career. I think I had more creative, <laughs> I had more creative input or more creative control on that movie than I did on the movie that I directed. <laughs> really? It's a crazy thing to say, but I really truly because the because the movie that I directed called The Last Word. Yes. Um, which I know you shot 35 millimeter yeah, anamorphic. Anamorphic. That's right, yeah. Steve Herson was your focus Yes, he was. Out. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a 6 6 million dollar budget. I remember when that was happening. Oh, wow. Or right after or something. Yeah. I, I ran into Steve or something, and right. he had said he'd worked on it with you. Yeah. Sorry, that was a what budget? So $6 million. It wasn't very, very, very oh, big. It was, but that's it was pretty good for a first film. Yeah, it was not not terrible. But, yeah. but you know, you, to a degree, especially with... Did you, you raise know, that money, or would you... No, that was, it was, was, was one of the scripts that was bought um, you know, ah, that I'd written. And, um, cool. Uh, and, uh, you know... Again, obviously, I was the director, Wes Bentley, that's right, right, who I I had worked with on uh, American Beauty. Um, 
you have to work under the confines of um of the budget right. and the logistics so your creativity can only go as far as your budget can reach that's right you know right. i had 35 days or something like that maybe 38 right. 39 days and and you know the three actors were wes bentley and winona Ryder and ray romano and great cast yeah great cast you know um ray was a dream absolute dream and we we're, we're, we're friends to this day and and i'd love at some point to direct him again uh because he's he was fantastic didn't you do some men of a certain age with i him? did that's was, right after the movie right after the movie so i directed the yeah the almost the next to last episode of that series um but you know when winona is a wonderful actress and uh uh but you know she she uh she's a tough one and i can say this I, I have, would have no problem with her hearing this, obviously. Right, yeah. She's a tough one to work with when you don't have the time to give to her, uh, which she deserves and right. which every actor really deserves. But she, her process is one of like, okay, we're going to sit down now. And talk and about this for an hour. This. Right. Yeah. And, 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 on a and tight it made schedule, her performance better and it made the movie better for sure. But it it can... It can stress a director out to no end because you know that you're every minute that you're not doing something with the 16 balls that you have in the air that you're juggling every minute that you're not doing something in service of the successful completion yes is a minute that you're now going to have to try to find somewhere else right and it's just a psychological absolute like shit storm yeah um which is one of the reasons why i love camera operating uh because that's something you i have don't to deal have with to that. worry about and you don't you have know? to go to meetings yeah, afterwards yeah. right in 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 avengers um that the director of photography is essentially a lighting director of photography okay um who 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 shot trent opalock and he had done four other, or, well, he's now done four movies for the Russo Brothers. He also shot uh, Civil War, the uh, Avengers Civil War, okay. and uh, The Winter Soldier, I believe, as well. All right. Um, and, but the structure in this film was essentially that they deal with the camera operator on a more, um, uh, on, a, on a more blocking, working with actors kind of way. And Trent... Because it was such a huge movie, and he has so much to deal with as far as the logistics of dealing with grip and electric and all that sort of stuff, he he he, he took a backseat to that, um, to the point where, you know, I I was given three weeks of prep, as an operator, three weeks of prep. I was in every meeting. I was in storyboard meetings. I was in, in in writing meetings. I was, uh, Holy in, shit. in every conversation. I was one of four people that actually was allowed to read the script. Wow. I was one of, you know, like four people that actually had access to the script. Only two, I think three of the 40 actors had actually read the entire script. Almost everybody, including, again, A-list, huge, massive $30 million actors right. were not allowed to read the script. Were they asking you what, what happened? Yeah, a couple of times. I had, they would be like, <laughs> so tell me, so what is, you know, and I, I always tried to be uh, very Did they diplomatic. Did they get to read, like, their parts, Their right? parts, that's right. right. But not, not the not, whole story. Not stuff that, you know, wasn't involved with them. And some right. of them are known for being, like, Mark Roth for example he is known for going on talk shows and just like spoiling stuff no he's way just, really he's just one of these guys that's just so he like a, a brilliant a 
brilliant and so fun and right. so like and he's just a great awesome guy who 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 is not as disciplined about <laughs> like you know not giving stuff away so right. you know they had to not tell him basically what right, happened you know right, they right. i don't think he knows a lot of these characters don't know who actually dies. There are going to be some people who actually are dead and stay dead by the end of Endgame. Right. Right. And of course, that those are the big secrets that, uh, you know, that we... Right. I mean... Who? Who dies? Yeah. I can't tell you that. Oh, that's but the good, secret. But, uh, but, but nice try. <laughs> like I give a shit. <laughs> I know. I know. I promise you. I promise uh, you. If you. If you were to, like... If you were if that to, actually happened? No, I'm saying if you were to like drop this, say tomorrow or the next day, and in the description be like conversation with Jeff Haley, who you know, who describes the plot points of of Avengers Endgame, I would say you're probably going to have four hundred thousand like hits on that thing. I mean okay. it's, it's insane right. what people want to know. I was gonna tell you earlier, yeah. I you know, I play some video games sometimes yeah. online. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there playing when I and then um a couple of so it turns out a lot of my quote unquote friends online who mm-hmm. are who are friends, yeah. they're all younger than me. Of course. And <laughs> and so there's this girl out of Vegas oh boy. who I play with who was like um she's like twenty one. She's like Oh shit! It's eleven forty-five. Avenger uh, Endgame tickets go on sale at midnight. Yes. This is like a week and a half ago <laughs> yes, or something. That's right. And and she's like, so oh, uh, let me get my phone out. And she's like, oh no, or maybe it was twelve fifteen. Yeah. She's like, shit, they went on sale at twelve. And she's like, fuck, there's no eleven o'clock screening at like yeah. Yeah. all this stuff. And yeah. Oh, that day that like the internet kind of broke. Like a whole bunch <sighs> of the ticket sites like literally crashed. She, yeah, she was <laughs> freaking out. And and one of the other guys w- was like, "Oh yeah, I got mine at like twelve oh one right before that thing crashed." <laughs> right. And I'm like, "When's this come out?" Yeah. And they're like, "Oh, a couple weeks." Yeah. I'm like, "Okay." Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, "All right, enjoy." Yeah. Like, you know, exactly. Right. But it, you know, it's just kind of funny. Like they're. They're so into it. They're so into it. And and so for me... Look, I had a lot of, you know, I wasn't really super social media, Twitter. I didn't even have an Instagram account when right. I did, because I did the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. pilot. Right, right, then, right, right, right. And I still, like, on Twitter, like, people were sending me all these messages. Is it okay if we follow you? And blah, 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 Oh, my blah, blah. God. And awesome. I was like, yeah, okay. Whoa, that's so cool. And I was like, how do you know? And they mm-hmm. they had... Oh, look, they we were shredding call sheets. Of course. Just like you guys yeah. were. There, um, Or no, we didn't even... Well, we didn't get emailed call sheets. We got paper ones then that we would have to shred, and then we'd shred our sides. We had to sign for our sides. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they do all that mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually shot video with my phone of something when we were doing this little... It's a weird thing where the prop people were shooting some video of something mm-hmm. that was going to go on the show, mm-hmm. and and they we blow the top off of this building, right? And so I shot video of it, and the security guy comes over and he's like, "You know, I was going to ask you not to shoot video, but that's all you do all day, so I'm not." Exactly. He's like, "You're not going right. to share it, right?" That's I'm right. like, "No." He's yeah. like, "Okay, fine." <laughs> I think they'd be a little harder core now because yeah. Well, even Joss told me like. On day one, before they started shooting Avengers, there were leaks. Mm-hmm. On day one, before we started shooting um, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., there were leaks. Yeah. yeah. There were photos of the vehicles driving mm-hmm. down the freeway to mm-hmm. location. Yeah. 
before we started shooting. Yeah. It's like crazy. And we're shooting in Union Station a bunch where there's free-flowing people everywhere. The problem. And security's going, you can't take a photo. Yeah. And I'm like, and, you know, yeah. it's a free... Exactly. They're telling people to... They're, and they're getting them to do it. Yeah. They're like, no, 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 you're not allowed to have that. Let's just delete that. And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. So funny. Yeah. That's insane. It's so insane. It's insane. I mean, it was so bad for Avengers. And obviously we shot that, you know, we shot that in Atlanta. Um, uh-huh. But, you know, that place is crawling with paparazzi. And there are entire, I mean, there were millions and millions and millions of dollars spent shooting sequences that we could very easily have not spent any of those millions of dollars on shooting in Atlanta downtown, uh-huh. which we literally built on the Pinewood lot just so that there wouldn't be pictures. Right. Which is crazy. You know? Yeah. Um, That's nuts. You know, one of the... Did they take your phone and stuff? Not mine. No. Of course, they, uh, they you know... Extras and stuff. Yeah, extras they did. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Day playing actors, yeah. things that, like that. That's right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Anyway, so the, the, uh, what I was going to say Hart was... It. Exactly. Oh, my God. Kevin Hart. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Oh, God. Um, so it wound up being one of those situations where, you know, I would be very involved with the directors to the point where... I would be maybe it would just be me sometimes and the directors and the actors without even the DP or anybody else there just to block the scenes. Right. That kind of stuff. But what was so cool was that, you know, they would literally watch. We would just watch a rehearsal and they would turn to me and say, okay, now how do you want to shoot this? What's wrong? Or what? Oh, oh yeah. just like, how do you want to shoot? How do you it? want to shoot this? And I'd be like, well, I think we should like blah and this and maybe this and that and that. And you know, they're really cool. The Russo brothers uh, have a really uh, balanced sense of work life, and so cool. you know, we did ten hour days with no lunches. Right. Isn't we, that we a, that's a Marvel thing now, right? They're it starting is to for do sure, that. and then other, hours, other franchises as well. Days. Yeah, you, and it works when you wrap at five o'clock on Friday. You know, the <sighs> the the Jumanji, unfortunately, is one of those things where we're trying to do that, but we still wind up doing twelve or thirteen hour days, and then that sucks because then you're doing twelve hour days without lunch, which sort of sucks. But um, I mean, yeah, you don't get that break of sitting down. And yeah, yeah. They just somebody, your assistant brings you food, which yeah, you that's eat right, part exactly, of. And that's then, right, right, exactly. But so so. You know, I would find myself in this weird situation where we have a scene with literally hundreds of millions of dollars worth of talent actors. <laughs> like, there's lots of scenes in those movies with like five or six people, you know, three pages of dialogue. Who are stars of all their own movies. Right? For sure. Who right, are right, all right. making at least 30, if not way more money on that movie alone. It's crazy. And the, the brothers would be like, so... So Jeff, how many shots is this going to be? And I'm like, well, I don't know, maybe seven. And they're like, can you do it in four? I'm like, well, maybe I could do five. When we won't do the single of so-and-so. They don't even ask what it is. They just want to know, like, how many shots. Really? They, oh, yeah, yeah. No, literally. It was just one of those things. And and I said, well, okay, how about five? And they're like, well, okay, but see if you can maybe make it four. And then I found myself in this weird situation where I'm like trying to protect the integrity of of the scene, and where they're just like, "Well, can't we? You know, we have have this thing at four. I want to kind of leave it. Really? Yeah. And I'd be like, "No, we got to do this shot. We got to do this shot. And you got to have a pushing over here because this is the important part. When she says this to that person, we're just going to set up four scenes from now. You got to pay that back. And they're like, "Well, yeah." 
but it'd be great to wrap at like 4.30 instead of 5.30. <laughs> like, that kind of thing. And so that combined we're with having, like... We're having... Okay, yeah, by the way, <laughs> you have to listen to Ron Baldwin's... Yes, his, his, his interview. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard anything about it. No. But he talks about... There were conversations about the Russos. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Very different conversations. Oh, I can, oh yeah. No, from what I understand... They did the other mo- movies very differently. I he was, didn't do movies with them. He, he did, did TV, TV shows. with yeah. them. No, right. and the, the, the first couple of... I was warned at the beginning of Infinity Wars. I, I, they basically... Somebody told me, oh, I think maybe Taylor Matheson, the first or something like that, said, okay, this is how... Here's how the brothers shoot. There's three cameras, and you shoot the master from wide, from three positions, and then you shoot it again from 10 feet closer, and then you shoot it again from t- 10 feet closer, and then you go around to the other side, and you shoot it again, and you basically just surround the scene with cameras and shoot it and shoot it and shoot it. Wide shots. Well, I mean, just being, and, and all the coverage, but you just basically shoot everything with three cameras, and oh. everything is just, just, just volume of coverage, just a whole bunch of coverage. Right. So that's what I was expecting. But, you know, I started my experience with them saying, well... What if we did this shot that turns into this kind of shot, which could be a cool move that turns into that, which could, and there, and so my relationship with them wound up being a very different experience from from their prior movies okay. to the point where we, you know, because I had done, I had done their prior movies with them. Do you know operator wise? Yeah. Um, or has I, it been a has it been a it been a, a mishmash of people? But I think I think Andrew Rollins was one of them. Oh, uh, um, Mark Olnick was one as well. Okay. Um, and uh, but again, with three weeks of prep, I'm literally sitting down with them, and we're watching movies, and we're saying, okay, this you know David Lean thing is what we're going for here, or this you know Hitchcock thing is what we're going for here, and so they were very very uh, interested in having more of a just not throwing a whole bunch of spaghetti against the wall and seeing what sticks. So so they trusted me, I think, to sort of follow along with the general conversations that we'd had, but they didn't have the time or the patience to really actually do that on the set, mm-hmm. right? Which is why they'd be like, okay, how many shots right. is this going to be, right? But what was great for me, and this, this is the reason why I say I had more creative freedom on this than I did on the projects that I directed, is because with a billion-dollar budget, I can literally say, like, hey, could we do maybe... Could we have an extra two techno cranes, you know, tomorrow, just so that you know I won't have to spend fifteen minutes moving the techno crane from that side of the stage to the other side of the stage? Because that'll save me ten minutes. And they're like, great, whatever. It was an open checkbook, and the same with time. All the time. All the time. Constantly, whatever I needed, I and, got. And you had I wanted. you had A, B, and C every day. We had A, B, and C in every day, but it was basically. A one camera really? experience, yeah. Because I would, you know, again, it was Who one of those were things. Who B and C operators? Uh, so um, Kent Harvey was the B camera operator. I've heard that name? Yeah, he's a fantastic guy. Yeah? He's a really good operator. And the the great thing about him is that he's also a DP in his own right. So oh. he basically wound up spending a lot of time shooting Splinter and second units. Oh, great! Stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then Ross Kosha was our uh, C camera operator. 
for the first of the two movies, so for, for Infinity War. Um, he didn't spend a lot of time operating, oh, <laughs> I gotta say. Gotcha. Um, and then on the second, because of the way it wound up turning into basically a one-camera oh, movie, they it into we wound up not even really having a C-camera operator. We, we had one. I think I think uh, Chris Duskin and Sarah Levy came in every once in a while. You know what I mean? But it wasn't like one co- person coming all the way through. Right, 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 right. But so it was just this really liberating feeling of like walking in the morning, watching a bunch of really fantastic actors uh, do some stuff and just being like, hmm, what do I feel like doing today? And having a everybody huge, say yes. Say, everybody saying yes. You know what I mean? It was fantastic. It was really, really amazing. Did you, did you do a lot of that movie on a crane, techno? It was uh, a lot of techno. I would say it was mostly... The, the first Infinity Wars had a lot more of a handheld element to it. Um, but but Endgame was was more of a classic uh, sort of element. So Infinity Wars, I'd say, would be about half half handheld and thirty oh. percent crane and twenty percent Steadicam on A sixty five. That's the one bummer about that movie. Really, really heavy cameras with with special lenses that were designed by Dan Sazaki at, at uh, Panavision for our movie. Um, so I think the payload was over fifty five pounds for me on the Steadicam. So it was very very heavy. Um, the the camera was 55 pounds yeah, yeah with everything on it because then that's, you're also that's I, like a lightweight 65 an actual 65 millimeter camera yeah, with that's film right. in it that's right yeah i mean my five my, my four black springs were all the way torqued up and on occasion depending on which lens i had i had to actually lift as well oh boy <laughs> um so so and so and so end game i think was probably are you a back mount guy i am i, I mean so. not all through my career but um on the f- on american hustle because that was 100 percent steadicam i needed to do something and so walter was kind enough to let me demo one of the first flex vests that they had so mm. not the original one which is a slightly heavier one mm. um and uh i hated it hated it for the first two days because it gave me these weird um sores or you know basically like whatever you know, my, my skin was very sensitive at certain places oh, where there really? was new pressure, essentially. Right, 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 right. And then after that, I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Once this you calloused fantastic. up a little. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Once I got the I'm calloused. still pro-vest. I, I, I tried that uh, XO again at... Yeah, I've never really liked the XO. Ugh. The only reason why I don't it like the pro-vest... so bad. I know. Like, just yeah. being in it, yeah. in yeah. the rig, oh, yeah. my God, my whole body's yeah. in pain. I'm like, what? Yeah. It was even worse this time than the last time yeah. I tried yeah. it. And I don't know. For me, the the only reason why the ProVest doesn't make any sense is because I know that if, if, if since sort of worked on that, but I'm tall. You're tall. Yeah. Um, the socket mount was way too high for me. Way, way, way too high. You know what I mean? So I, I know they, I think they have a drop down that they made like years ago that makes it a little better. But Clausen. It's called the iBaird. I've talked about it before. I see. It's on all the it's time. On you. It's, for it's sure. About you've that. got the same like issue I've got. four six inch drop down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. yeah. It lives on. Yeah. Um, no, I I, I, agree, I agree with you. I'll switch wearing. back and forth sometimes between the front and the back mounted vest just so that I can change my the muscle groups that I'm you know. Oh, using okay. If I'm, you know. Yeah. Um, for for the, well, here's one, one thing I'll say just basically like as as an example of the amount of creative input that I had for Avengers. Yes. We started in January. We were going to go through basically all the way through. I think again it was like a year and a half or something or three three months. Um, in October of that year, we had we basically had about ninety percent of Infinity War shot, right? So we were front loading the schedule with Infinity War stuff because that was going to be coming out. Yeah, they're going to need to work year. on that sooner. Exactly right. Sure. So it was opposed to that additional year that a post that they had for Endgame. Um, so around October, I think it was, um, 
the brothers asked whether I would be interested in taking a look at uh, the rough cut of Infinity Wars. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Um, and I came in on a Saturday and watched it by myself. Uh, they weren't there? Because oh, no, they'd seen it a hundred times. Did, yeah, exactly. And uh, watched it by myself. And then we had a two-hour note session afterwards with me and them and the editor. I suggested a number of changes, uh, including a small end for the actual a small change for the end of the movie really um which we two weeks later then shot um and uh and actually was the one, dp at these meetings no okay got no, it no it was it's again it's one of those one but of those he was rare, doing color and all that or he was doing he was doing post notes and all that about the look he, i'm sure yeah for sure i mean obviously he was doing all the things from a from a lighting yeah, yeah, and visual yeah, yeah. standpoint that yeah, a dp yeah. would do i i stayed well well clear of that <laughs> but you know to to me and this i think is sort of my driving home message as far as you know our time together here i guess is that i feel like the landscape for operators has changed yeah and is changing and I threw my eggs in a particular basket starting about 10 years ago where I made a decision. I looked to see, based on the changing landscape, I looked to see basically from a, from a, just from a, from a logistical standpoint, from a pure like how do I get my next job standpoint, who do I need to attach myself to to ensure gainful employment for the long run? Because what I was noticing was a change in the way the structure of employment worked. A combination of incentive states and the fact that with digital, the advent of digital and, and, and the role of the DP has certainly changed a little bit. Gone are the days where a DP unless you're one of the top maybe four or five DPs working in the business today, gone are the days where you can be in a DP's contract, generally speaking. Right. Maybe Mitch Dubin for like Janusz and Spielberg and so on, but but there's a very, very few. It's rarefied air. Mm -hmm. And so often... I doubt any of them really have that anyway, do they? I mean, again, with Mitch and Janish and maybe. Steven, yes, I think so. Uh, I don't know what others... Yeah, I would say probably maybe not. Um, I can't think of anybody else. Like, yeah, um, anyway. I can't really either. Um, yeah. But what I realized was that the people that have the power to get you if they want you are the directors, producers, and actors. Sure. And so I'm in a in a bit of a weird place right now with my career and that is that I get a call from a director there's probably four or so directors that will call me oftentimes before they'll call anybody else including any of their department heads especially DPs um, and say look I've got a project in a, in a year I'd like to make sure you're available for it Jeez. Um, something similar with a couple of actors especially Dwayne Johnson I've done 10 movies with Dwayne have you really yeah oh wow and uh, it's another one of those things where he'll be like okay well here's the movie that I've got you know coming up blah 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 This and these are usually like I get heads up notices not months but like many months in advance right which 
which is a, which is a great thing in the sense that I generally know what my next what my future is for the next year and a half to two years. Right. Even if you haven't even gotten the call for it yet, you know it's coming. Yeah. Right. And and that and that's interesting. So who is it? Todd Phillips, David O. Russell. Is he one? He yeah. I mean, he's not really working that much anymore. But uh, you know, um, uh, and then uh, the Russo brothers. Okay. Um, and. Um, um, Again, depending on well, then and then uh, Dwayne, right? There's yeah, a couple yeah. of producers. I would. I, I, I'm not going to list all of them right uh, now, just enough. because I feel like there no, may no, be I, other operators that have worked with them. Fair that enough. Are no, no, not, no, 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 no. You know what I mean? But no, 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 it's, no, no. it's folks like I this, just want to know the directors because yeah. yeah. I well, specifically about yeah. David O. Russell because I have another. I have some questions about that. Yeah. Um. Because I know you did the fighter. And American Hustle. That's right. Did you do Joy? No, I wound up not being available for that. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you've yeah. done two? I've done two of okay. those. And I did Huckabees. Oh, right. Huckabees. Yes. Right, Which right, right, was right. a different part of his career, for sure. I, d- right? I don't yeah. know why I was not a big fan of that movie. People either liked that movie or didn't like yeah. that movie. You know I, I mean? remember there was all that behind the scenes stuff that yes, came out exactly. which was which you That's were right. there for i guess yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there are stories to be told there but not not no, in, no, this, no, no, no. in this form. i'll ask you when, <laughs> exactly. we, when we That's right. when i turn the red button off. <laughs> exactly um no um um i thought the fighter was great mm-hmm. i thought american hustle was great mm-hmm. um we had a friend in common well i don't know if you were friends with tracy tracy scott oh yeah of course yeah um i mean i know you knew her mm-hmm. but um um uh, but she told me some stories and and so I saw some behind the scenes mm-hmm. and David is essentially he has his monitor mm-hmm. but he's kind of hanging onto your arm looking over your shoulder ish yeah. yeah um and dragging you not dragging you but on occasion yeah for sure okay she said it was a lot of that yeah 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 I I think um who was the other operator there were two Steadicam operators right well on American Hustle yeah I just got so exhausted that basically I said three weeks into it either we get another steady cam operator or i have to quit because i i'm exhausted it's too much I can't, it's too much right yeah. 12 it was long days um, 12s 15 i mean yeah it's just that when every single yeah. shot is steady cam it's too much to ask and all the inserts um you know are also steady cam and you know uh right i i i, I don't know it it's um yeah. I've it, been yeah, there. Exactly. I had that conversation 10 or 12 days into a movie yeah. Yeah. many years ago, yeah. and they just didn't know any better. Yeah, exactly. So then we had a that was a Friday, and we had a weekend off, and then Monday mm-hmm. was like, uh, hey, Brad, first up's a Dolly move. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, we have a Dolly on this yeah, movie? Exactly, exactly. Because I was doing, you yeah. know, the, the, yeah. the 200 mil insert lock off, uh, right. you know. There, yeah. can, you, can you hold the frame a little stiller? Yeah. <laughs> it's hour 14. Yeah. You know what right. I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, so, so, so I get so, that. So Dave Thompson came in to do this. Oh, Dave Thompson, uh, right, yeah. like who's, who did Silver Linings Playbook and Joy. So okay. basically, Dave and I have both done this basically the same amount of movies oh, together. Cool. Um, yeah. Uh, and, um, uh, and Greg Lunsgard. So what? So Greg Lunsgard came in for a little bit on American Hustle, and then and then he had to leave, and then 
Dave Thompson came in. Um, I think I remember seeing, because I saw, again, some behind-the-scenes stuff, and I thought it was Greg Lundsgaard. So basically, the way it would work is I would start the day until I just got so exhausted that I couldn't stand anymore, and then I basically... So it wasn't two at once? No. No, never. Never. Got it. I think maybe on Joy it wound up being that way, but never on the movies that I did with him. Got it. Um, And uh, and then, you know, I I would say, like, I need an hour to a break and then either David or or Greg would come in and sort of do the next hour or two of work and then when I was ready again I'd come back in um, it was the only way I could survive that 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 job you know and and look I have a love-hate relationship with that process because it also was creatively very interesting and of course working I've done four movies five movies four movies with with Bradley Cooper mm. um, and and again of course working you know, with Amy Adams and working with you know Jennifer Lawrence great and cast, working, yeah. you know it was really yeah, great yeah, people yeah. and and you know you always you're kind of it's a weird thing with David you're feeling like on the one hand you're you're in the trenches and he's sort of the enemy and I don't mean that in the way that it sounds in the sense that like we're all trying to make a fantastic film and he is as well it's just that he's so in his own head and he thinks a thought and is so frustrated about the fact that we don't, and this is, goes for actors as well. That you can't read his mind. That we can't read his mind. And so he'll think that he's said, said said something. I mean, there's examples of where, like, he'd be in another room. Because oftentimes, sometimes he'd come in and kind of drag people around and literally move actors and move me or whatever. But plenty of times he would just be two rooms away looking at his thing and he would just be yelling. You know, like the Academy Award for sound editing should have gone every year to every one of his movies. Because when you watch dailies, you can never hear what the actors are saying without him talking over over the actors. Seriously, it's amazing the fact that you can actually have a coherent. So he's just constantly yelling, constantly, and not. I mean, he's, I mean, it's not like he's yelling like angry. No, it's just his voice he's, is raised. He's talking constantly, right. talking. But sometimes, again, his 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 you know his mouth will not be able to keep up with what his brain is doing. So, so many times, you know, it'd be a room. I'd be in a room with 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 Bradley and with Christian Bale and Amy Adams. Does the talking drive any of them crazy? Uh, it drives all of us crazy, okay. right? And it'd be one of those things where we're doing the scene and it's all kind of frenetic and all improvisational anyway. And from the other room, you'd hear like, "Kid, uh, go." And and all of us would stop for a second and then just keep going. And then five seconds later, be like, "Kid, fucking go!" And and then who's kid and what's well, go? That's the thing. And so at some point, either me or Bradley or Christian would be like, "Which kid and go where?" And he'd be like, "Push in, right. Jeff. Push in. Obviously, right? push or it'd be in. Like, that's what kid go. Or it'd be means. like, Bradley, kiss her. Right. Like you're a fucking idiot for not knowing that kid go means go and have a kiss her. Right, you know, right, it's, right, it's right, that right, kind, right. So right. that makes it sort of feel like it's us versus him kind I of a little it. bit because like you're, you're all in a group together. Going, that's oh right. My going God. like, what is he going to ask right. for now, and how who's going to be able to best like read his mind to a degree, right? Right. Um, and and you know, and look, I think there are actors without going into too much of the sure, specificity. Sure. There are actors that can deal with that with him more Better than others and right. others and yeah. and you you don't need to have me tell you who can deal with stuff yeah, yeah. all you have to do is see who are the re- repeat performers in his movies right. those are the people that can deal with yeah. it and those people who aren't in his movies that much only once or twice of course are the people that say this is not going to work for I, me. I don't know that I've never been in that situation, but I don't think that I would take well to it because I'm a very literal person and mm-hmm. also, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't know that, um, I don't know that that's a good blend. 
Maybe it is. I don't know. I think it's one of those things where people. What you don't know I, until as I you get work older. With them? I have come to the conclusion that that people have the ability to adapt way more than I think they can. Right. And I think that by the second day, you'd probably be totally in the flow. Okay. But the there's a shock at the beginning <laughs> that makes you feel like, oh dear Lord in heaven, why didn't I, you know, become a doctor? Right. <laughs> why didn't I like, you know, do there open so heart many surgery in an emergency room because that seems like it would be way less stressful than the right. stress I'm feeling right now. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um I'm There was some things Tracy told me. Mm-hmm. It's not bad or anything. Yeah. But um I don't know if I uh, I'll if you don't want to talk about this, just let me know. But Tracy told me that there were times when David, they would say, like, David, you've done only Christians coverage. Mm-hmm. You have to have Amy's mm-hmm. and right. and everybody else's. And and he would and he would grab you mm-hmm. and just every time write to Christian. Every time write to Christian. And and Tracy would say, David, you have I, to get Amy's coverage. Yeah. We have zero coverage yeah. of this whole scene. That's right. He's like, okay, got it, got it. Yeah. And then next, okay, go. Go to Christian. Mm-hmm. And, and then sometimes he would leave set. Yeah. Go, we got it. Yeah. and leave and yeah. you haven't done any of Amy's that's right and that's it would fall upon Tracy or me or somebody to say right. wait we're not moving on until right. you finish at least some coverage on some of these other people right that's right that's true that's right true. and I heard yeah you don't have to confirm yeah. or deny yeah, 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 unless yeah. you want to yeah I heard that sometimes he'd be in his trailer while the coverage got um but she did more movies with him or other movies that you didn't do so yeah. I don't know yeah I don't I'm not I don't remember uh, I, I, what I can say is that there were, he, you could tell when he did something that he knew he had to do uh-huh. without, his, his passion wasn't there. And when his passion wasn't there, he would check out. Right. Gotcha. And sometimes it was more literal than figurative. Got it. <laughs> Got it. Which she, she did tell me, she said, look, I don't take stupid fucking script notes like some people where they write down what lens you're on every time. Right. And especially in a movie like that. You're yeah. not doing big effects. Nobody no, cares. Exactly. Um, she said, I make practical notes. Mm-hmm. Like she said, the editors love me because I write down, David thinks he has coverage of Amy. He does not. <laughs> so don't bother looking. Yeah. He'll swear he has it. Yeah. It is not there. Yeah. Don't look. Yeah. Um, she said she'll write yeah. shit like that. Yeah. Or there's yeah. only one there's only one take of right. me. No right. matter what you say. That's right. right. And there's a shit ton of overlaps and you're not gonna get it clean, so deal with it. Right. Yes, that's right, 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 yeah. right, right. There's there's seventy three of Christian. Yes. There's one of Amy. That's we right. didn't get all of it, so you're yeah. gonna have to cut away through the part that we don't have. That's right. Right. So those uh-huh. were her notes to the editors, and and, um, and so I think for her, I remember her. She loved working on American Hustle. Mm-hmm. She enjoyed mm-hmm. the whole thing, mm-hmm. even with that. Although it doesn't affect and, her that much. And as did I. Don't don't get me wrong. No, like, no, it was I, it was it was a it was amazing. Both the fighter and American Hustle were 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 great experiences. I would say for me. Right. I, I don't. I think some things changed on Joy. Absolutely. Look, it, I think I, I yeah. think he phoned that in a little bit more. Oh, he did. I think okay. that the script was never quite there, and and I think that that was a project that. And by the way, I mean I, I'll be honest with you, I I didn't think it was a good movie. I didn't see it. You know, it wasn't very good. Right. Um, and and he, I think he had he had gone to a place a, a a place with 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 Jennifer Lawrence, where he just 
felt like he didn't need to do the prep work that mm. you know i mean every, anybody who's directed a project will tell you that you're making the movie in prep in prep right and, some, and then you're and saving it in post right yeah you're saving it in post exactly right so the, the yeah. actual part the actual co- collecting that's the hard the, work yeah. is like knowing yeah. what you're gonna do that's right right and, and he every job that he did was less and less mm. prep you know so you're making it sound like he retired no, but okay. I do think he got caught up a little bit in. In he got caught up in the, in the Me Too thing a little bit. Oh, he um, did. It was buried a little bit because around the time that there were some articles about things, and it had nothing to do with, um, with with like sexual stuff at all. I think okay. it had to do with the fact that uh, he was like one of the people pe- yes he was one of the people that was called out as basically mistreating people mm. i know that at one point he had a uh some project lined up with hbo or something like that and i know that that was pulled Ooh. in part because of that um so i don't mean to make it sound like he's dead but i haven't heard like since joy he hasn't made anything right um and i that don't know i don't know if he is in pro in prep on something right now got it yeah got it okay understood understood yeah. um the fighter was too perf right mm-hmm. all his movies were film right yes i don't know what joy was i think okay. it might have been film as well okay but yeah yeah uh-huh. um did you shoot on a penelope yes okay on the fighter yeah exactly. yeah, 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 yeah yeah that's kind of cool yeah i never used one of those yeah was it a nice camera yeah it's cool i mean it's it's uh you know obviously the the displacement the mag displacement is a little bit strange right so for steady Front to cam, back. yeah exactly um right. but hey look i'll say this i and this is sacrilegious to say but i, I believe that the the reason why i think the work that i have done has been as as good as it is is not necessarily because of what I bring to it, but because I had a sled that allowed me that motorized stage saved my life. I used that until now. I have the Volt, which I absolutely am in love with, which Are is you? a whole another conversation. But um, that motorized stage allowed me to do work that. I don't care who you are. I don't care how great of an of a Steadicam operator you are. You can't lock off a shot in a tilt position or in a Dutch position or something as well when you're holding on of with your operating hand as if when you're not holding on to it. In other words, when gravity lets you, you know, you can, if you can, mm-hmm. you, if, if, if you can remove your left hand from the sled, yeah. that's always going to be the best lock off. Right. So for me, the fact that I could adjust. Do you actually remove them. your hand from the sled when you do lock offs? No, but I mean, I mean, okay. at, times, at times I do. To the point where you're barely I, touching I'm it. I'm barely, barely right. touching it. Because right. you don't want any input. No, yeah, not whatsoever. Right? Like there your too. body yes. is like your worst enemy. Yes, right? yes, you yes. want gravity to do all the work if yes. possible. Yes. But with, and with the motorized sled, I could just go to and I could get it to where I needed to. I used, to, I, do, I used to use it all the time, yeah, too. Yeah. And of course, with the Penelope. You know, again, on David O movies, you're not doing takes. You're just rolling an entire mag. There's it, it, never the word cut is never roll? used. Really? Always, always, just a always a roll. Always roll it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No short ends. No. No. Exactly. So, <laughs> so funny. that in a situation like that yeah, with the so Penelope, you, ha- yeah, you have, to have to have something. Yes. Otherwise, by minute number eight, you're, you're using every you know oh, yeah, muscle you're too in your perf, body. Yeah. Oh, so you have a huge, huge weight displacement issue. Huge, you know. Um, you have eleven minutes. Yeah, yeah. 
uh right yeah or nine or something nine, i can't remember right. yeah because it's four not 500 right yeah yeah um yeah crazy well i liked your work i liked the gritty look i love the look of two perf Mm-hmm. I do too. Yeah. Um, I did a two perf movie years mm-hmm. ago. I don't think I ever saw it projected on film. I think the fighter I saw projected on film, mm-hmm. and I love the look of it. Mm-hmm. it that that beautiful grain, you yeah. know, it's That's character. Right. Yeah, it it's not as grainy as sixteen, but it's not as you know as right. yeah exactly. It has it's that cool of, look to it, you know. Right. Yeah. Like I used to. One of my my favorite stocks was fifty two seventy nine. Yeah, seventy nine exactly. It sure. had that contrast exactly. and that and that. It was kind of the go to stock there by the end. I think generally speaking, I think. Right, I feel like I, I used know, that a it? lot, to a degree, because it was it was four hundred ASA, I believe. Right? Wasn't it four hundred ASA? I think. I think it was five. Oh, five, oh maybe five hundred. Anyway, it was it was, fast, it, was yeah. Yeah, it was a fast yeah, yeah, yeah. stock, and, and and I thought they were using that eighteen a lot. Wasn't that the one? Eighteen and seventy nine were the two stocks. Okay, right. So All eighteen right. was the daylight stock, I think. Right, and uh, wasn't it? Was it? Gosh, my brain. I, I, I don't I know. Mean, it's been a while. I don't know. Even though you know the movie I'm about to do is film, so uh, we'll see. Uh, which uh, which movie? Past nine. Oh, oh right. Oh, they're yeah. shooting film? Yeah, it looks like it. At least according to the is most the, recent news. Have they shot film on a bunch of the other ones or uh the last time we shot film I think was fast half of Fast Seven was film and, and then and then uh some some of it was digital. Yeah. I don't remember exactly why we did that. I think maybe because at yeah, that point explosions we wanted to shoot things that had high latitude issues, I think, on film because at that point it was still more forgiving latitude wise on film than it was on digital or something okay but I kinda, it feels like it was decades ago even though it was just like five years ago or something like that nah, it was more than that yeah. I'm sure it's like four fast movies seven. ago oh fast seven, seven. Yeah, oh yeah, so yeah, yeah maybe yeah, five years yeah, so. yeah, yeah. they're almost constantly they're either making one or releasing one right well no not really they'll they'll usually wait you know because obviously fast eight came out last year came out last year so it's been three years i think almost since, oh, okay. since we made them. well they had a they had a spin-off oh, the hobbs and shaw one that's right. right that's the one that's coming out i think pretty soon here yeah exactly oh, it's and not I, out yet oh, no no it's yeah. not yet. and i couldn't work on that because i was on the end of the marvel train at that point so i wasn't able to do it yeah, yeah. it's a long train too yeah. yeah um what else was i going to ask you about that's kind of it we talked about uh a lot of stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I think, look, the, the other the other sort of gorilla, 20,000-pound gorilla in the room, which, again, it's not... It's, it's, it's because this is meant to be a discussion f- about, for, and, you know, among Steadicam operators, there is this whole move toward... Um, toward gimbals, right? Mm-hmm. There has been for a couple of years. There's a number of reasons why gimbals are 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 popular. Some of which have far financial. Some of which have to do with the fact that DPs can sort of wrestle back control a little bit from right. Steadicam operators because yeah. they can both own the equipment now and also, you know, be and do the steering. It's, yeah, it's not this sort of magical thing that is Steadicam anymore. Um, and and I'm in love with gimbals for certain things. I think very some of that things. is DPs like operating because uh, they know it's fun for sure, for sure. Exactly. So, but they don't have to do the hard work. They That's don't have right. To hump exactly. The thing around exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and some of that has a little bit to do with the fact that the that the horizon issues with Steadicam are um, are are telltale signs that some directors and DPs are just like have this weird, uh, this this this. They're obsessed with. Yeah, yeah, you know, and they're they're so uh, anti steady cam for that reason. And and some of us I think 
are better at that than others. Sure. But what I would say is that, you know, again, I'm, I'm constantly sort of trying to future-proof my career, which is why, again, I started to sort of throw my lot in with directors, producers, and actors, and, and less so maybe with DPs, because I just see, I saw where the industry was going. I feel the same way about, you know, there, there have been a number of of things that have come up over the last 10, 15 years that have been deemed quote unquote steady cam killers. Right. It's like, oh, now this piece of equipment is is there. The steady cam is no longer going to be, you know, like mark my words, in three years the steady cam will, you know, will be a thing of the past. I've never once and even thought that. No, for sure. But, but you've even, heard I've been you, But I bet you've heard that from people. Sure. Right. You know, people love to say that. Um, I mean I generally to be honest, I generally try not to talk to people like that. No, for sure. Because it's like, come on, man, don't be dumb. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but what I will say, I truly believe at this point that 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 gimbals are not Steadicam killers, but that more and more, I'll put it this way, I think that if you do not have some sort of stabilization, horizon stabilization tool in your Steadicam in four years, you will not be a working Steadicam operator. You think so, huh? Yes, I do. And mm. and that's partly because um, in, now you can have the best of both worlds. I tried the Wave briefly, mm-hmm. and I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. It was glitchy, and again, I'm tall, as you are, and the center of... of You're gravity, raising and, the height and, and, and it means the post goes down, all kinds of shit. Yeah. Um, are you a short post guy? No. I tend to be a long post guy because oh. I tend to I tend to like again I don't I want my mass to be as far away from okay. the center of gravity as possible so that it, everything can look as much like you know like a dolly as possible. Sure. I don't sure. need. How often do we need to whip around and be skittish and all that sort of stuff? That's the only time when I think you need you know to have to compress your your. your yeah, thing. but sometimes it just feels better to me. You know yeah, it mean? just depends on what you know. To me, again, if I if I don't have to touch the camera. You know, or the 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 gimbal, then I won't, or I okay. barely touch it. But point being for me that um, well, now you can do whatever you want with the Volt because it'll to a degree. The, the interesting thing is that for those who've never tried it, and I was really dubious on it, and I literally had somebody from Tiffin call me and say, "Won't you come in and try this?" Because I had seen somebody use it on a YouTube video, and that was the stupidest thing for me to do because obviously. I couldn't tell what it was doing. It just mm-hmm. looked weird, but I couldn't even see the results of it. It's not like they had like the video assist of what the guy, it was just a guy walking down a sidewalk and I was like, okay, well this thing doesn't look any different from anything else. Right. And so I literally went into Tiff and- thing on top of the gimbal. You're like, what is yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. Right. This is part of this gimbal. And it's like, oh, that looks like it's extra weight and I don't need that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went into Tiff and, and I, uh, I, I was like, okay, well, I already know that I don't like the wave and I already know that, you know, that there's lots of stuff that gimbals can do that the, the gimbals can't do that steadicam still can mm-hmm. so i'm pretty safe um because there's lots of things again that a gimbal you know try whipping around with, on 100 mil on a gimbal you know uh right. it's just not this is not going to happen there's lag and there's issues and even if you're in majestic mode or not there's all kinds of stuff with gimbals that you know for 10 percent of the of, of the shots that i've done over the last four or five years 
I've ordered a gimbal and I've used a gimbal and I've loved it for that. But for the lion's share of the stuff that we do, gimbals, I think, especially because you don't have vertical stabilization with gimbals, right? You've got three axis stabilization if you want it. But the one thing you don't have is vertical stabilization because you don't have an arm. You don't have a steady camera. Right. So you're carrying this thing around in some way or you're putting it on a dolly or whatever. And but up and down, you're getting it, especially if you've got foreground. And you can always tell... A, the telltale sign of a gimbal shot is a wide lens and you see something in the foreground passing by lens and it's totally like absolutely stabilized as far as the horizon line is concerned but you see this sort of slow up uh-huh. and down thing it's because yeah. well obviously that's somebody's not walking. yeah somebody's walking around with it you ever put one on your arm no, I haven't ever. No, no, and, and I know that some people were doing that, and and but that that's sort of what I'm getting at. I went I went to Tiffin, and I was like, I don't know why I'm here. I'm wasting my time, but I, you know, the Tiffin guys have been really, really fantastic with me, and they've been really helpful. And I was an early adopter of the Master to the Ultra to the Ultra Two. After that initial Pro that I had, I got yeah. rid of it, and I've been Tiffin for the majority of my career. Right. And I yeah. I cannot say enough about those guys. Um, and um, I tried the thing, and literally like five seconds into it, I was like, "Oh my God! Now I understand." Yeah. And what's amazing to me, what I never realized before I tried that thing was that even the best steady camera operators in the world are spending 90% of their subconscious brain RAM dealing with trying to keep a steady horizon. Even if they're not realizing it, even if they're not thinking that they are that's what we're spending right. so much time doing and the and the way you know that that's how much you how much brain energy you're spending is by trying something like the volt and all of a sudden you realize i am not having to think about this one thing and now i have like it's like that movie limitless with bradley cooper where he takes this pill and suddenly like he has you know the, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. hundred thousand times more brain more brain function that's how i feel with with the volt really <laughs> and and I, I, I don't even know why I'm saying this because the, those of us who have the vault, we sort of all, all we've all we've all said to ourselves that we would never try to hype hype it to other Steadicam operators because of the advantage that it has. Really? Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. Talk to Colin Hudson. Colin Hudson and I had that conversation. Did for you? Sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's a game changer to the point where now a Steadicam with a vault is is the solution that keeps that keeps gimbals away right in perpetuity essentially mm-hmm. i mean there's always going to be shots that gimbals are good for sure but i think they you know the the way the reason gimbals blew up a big part of the reason is brilliant marketing mm-hmm. and that very first trailer they released with the guy i've mentioned this before but the guy rollerblading with mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. and and then and then just hanging onto the cab and driving away it was like brilliant mm-hmm. and that's that's an example of a shot you can do. Right. Right? Yes. And or putting it on a rope and That's doing right. a, you yeah. know, yeah. something like that. And it constitutes about 3% of right. the shots you're going to do Maybe in less, your career. Less yeah, probably. Exactly. Way right. less. Yeah. But but you know, that's cool. And look, I've had my friend Matt Bass was on and mm-hmm. he's he does everything with gimbals mm-hmm. all the time. He's not he's like a music video mm-hmm. Sh- mm-hmm. shooter so, but I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's I like do. 
um, um, they're better for certain things than others. Yeah. And, yeah. and, um, and in the narrative world, we have, yeah. sh- we have something that can do almost every shot yeah. a gimbal can do, but better. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Either whether it's a techno crane, a yeah. steady cam, yeah. a dolly, yeah. you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. And, and, and now with, a drone for sure. Exactly. And, and with roll axis stabilization, now you literally have everything you need. Right. And that's the one reason why I'm like, I, I had no idea that like I'm in a new place. Right. Emotionally. Oh, really? With okay. Steadicam because right. of the advent of that. I got, really it. I got it. I tried it again at NAB. The problem with trying it there was I had to wear the exo vest. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I yeah, was, yeah, I yeah. was, um, yeah. Uh, it, you know, it probably didn't fit right either. Nobody fit it to me. I just threw no, it on. No, for sure. So that probably well, didn't help me. But, but and the other, th- the other great thing about the Volt, for example, is that you still need to be a really good Steadicam operator to make it work. In other words, it's not right. one of those things that suddenly everybody can go. That's to what I've said from the beginning. I not like that you can when yes. you want to go a little off level. No absolutely, problem. you can. Do it's that. basically again, it fixes the last. 10% right, of your work, right. you still have to do the first you just 90, get it close but you spend 90% it, right. of your energy dealing with the last 10% of right. the work that you need to right, do, right, right, which right. is why it's so great. But it's tiny little motors in there, which means that it's very easy to overpower those motors, which means that if you're not a good Steadicam operator, it you will beat that system right. and you will, you will, you will, it will not work properly right, for you. Right, so you still right. have to be a really good Steadicam operator to make it work properly. Yeah. yeah. Although I've heard of other people using the... Um, the wave. The wave, mm-hmm. 100% of the time. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, a, a fair number of them do. Yeah. Ugh. The thing is that you only have one axis of stabilization. Right. There, right. And and to me, again, when I tried it for the first couple of weeks, there were weird moments where I would do weird tilts and it would just sort of freak out and, uh. and all that sort of stuff. And I've been spending the last three years on A65s. <laughs> Try putting an A65 on, 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 a, on a wave. You can't do it. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, there was no way. It's already yeah. 55 pounds, right? Yeah, exactly. You would have been at the bottom of your... Well, your, not just that. The wave physically can't hold, can't carry that kind of a... Oh, it's not strong enough? Yeah, not really, because oh. you know, it has to do with, with where the center of gravity is and how high it is. And that's, uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I actually don't really know how the wave works. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, some people swear by it, but, uh, yeah, but yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's one of those things I didn't really like. I mean, I've tried it. When I tried it, yeah. my, the, the, my horizons were level. Yeah, exactly. That's what I know about yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> I know more about the Volt than I do yeah. about the Wave. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, man. So um, we've been talking seven hours and six minutes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, actually, do you want to know how long it's been? Uh, no, because I think that'll just uh, make me think that nobody's going to listen to this. They're going to they look. At, they're going to. They're going to look at the the runtime. They're going to be like, Do you know how many that. messages and emails <laughs> I get saying I love, especially after the Garrett thing when Garrett was oh, like, right. "Oh, it's well, it's like special. when we had the yeah. conversation about it being long." Yeah. No, but but people they didn't say. They they said in general I wish all of them were longer. Oh, it's weird. And I was like, wow, thanks. Yeah. No, that means we're doing something right. Sure, for sure. You know, yeah, at least yeah. somebody likes it. That's right, exactly. Uh, and look, I can tell too how much people. You were asking me about stats and stuff. Yeah, I can tell how how long people like how much of a podcast. Oh, they really? Consume. Oh, that's very yes. specific. When they from 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 when they start, how much they listen to. Got it. it. And when. When I'm in the 90s for yeah. most of it, yeah. that's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Especially since some people have never heard of me, they click on it and go, "Oh, this isn't for me," and they turn it off. Got it. That's yeah. like they listen to two percent. Yeah, you know, and yeah. Yeah. or whatever. But yeah. anyway, uh, now I'm just babbling about myself, and <laughs> I do that plenty. 
off mic. So, <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, thank you. It's been thank a you. real pleasure, man. It's been really interesting. Oh, it's been a lot of fun for me too. It, I'm glad. Thank you, Brad. I'm glad. Let's go. We'll go get another drink. Exactly. Sounds great. Thanks <laughs> right. a lot. Thanks. Bye. Thanks again to Jeff for coming in. I really enjoyed it, and I hope you did too. One note. The Condoleezza Rice stuff about joining Augusta is true. She and another woman were, I think, the first two female members. And she happens to be a very big golfer. So Jeff was wrong about that, and I was right. (laughs) Not that it matters. In case anybody cared, I just wanted to note it. All right, thanks for listening. Thank you very much to Tiffin Steadicam. And thank you very much to Walter Clausen FX. I'll be back next week with another new episode.